Blog Talk Radio. It is now time for your weekly football party. Live from the IMLD Home Studios. In its eighth season, this is In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. With your host, Jay Andre. Welcome in. I hope everyone has their formal wear on, their tuxes. I hope everyone is ready for our proceedings tonight. You are listening live to In Much Less Detail, the podcast, our IMLD 2020 Honors and Dishonors show live with you tonight on a Tuesday night, February the 2nd, 2021. Happy Groundhog's Day to everybody. I'm Dre. He's Jay. We're a little late. We were supposed to be with you Sunday night with our awards show, but life gets in the way and both of us a little uh, hurt playing a little under the weather. Uh, but we're going to give it our best shot tonight to hand out these awards. We got all the hardware ready and, and set up. And Jay, we got uh, some real winners tonight and, and some real beauties, if you know what I mean, some uh, winners and losers. We always have a great time uh, giving out our hardware. One of our best shows. I say it every year. I think all, you know, any of the compilation shows or award shows or anything that we do along that, uh, I think that's when I, I saw that you put it in the uh, description of the show about the cream rising to the top and, you know, and that we don't want to pat ourselves on the back because we have zero production staff. We are our own crack production staff. So the fact that we can mine all the material that we mine for a show like this, basically from memory, um, just as a, you know, it's a testament to the two of us and, and, and what we do put in. I know you, you put a lot more in, in effort on the, the stats and the, the digging into the picks and the games. Um, and, and I will always uh, marvel at how you can spend that much time doing that and still only finish three games ahead of me for the entire regular season. But that's, that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> you know, I like to kid you. I kid. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, you know, but, but we definitely do uh, really, you know, we do step it up for our uh, honors and dishonors and our hall of infamy. Uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll bring up some things I think that uh, people forgotten about. I think we'll be bringing up some things that people uh, want you to not remember either. And uh, we, we all, we, you know, we, we're always that light shining into the darkness. You know, we, we, we you do something uh, good or bad, uh, we'll find you. That's right. That's the whole point of our show is that uh, you can tune in to the NFL official honors show uh, the night before the Super Bowl if you want. If you want all the uh, the 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 feel good, the slapping on the back, all the uh, slobbering all over each other and making each other feel good. You can get that. It's always there. It's always right there for you. Uh, but if you want a little more honesty, if you want to, uh, like we say, remember the things that the, the league may not necessarily want you to remember, the things that they'd rather you forget, uh, we, we're there. We got the, the light shining on the good and the bad and the ugly. Uh, we try to always cover all bases. We try to be fair. We try to be a little hurtful sometimes because that's the kind of guys we are. But uh, in uh, in the end, hopefully we're entertaining and hopefully we'll uh, do an, another good job of, of handing out the awards that are deserved uh, among the uh, the players and coaches in the league this year. Yeah, and sometimes we're sometimes we're kumbaya, sometimes we're consensus on some things, uh, you know, and and sometimes we 
you know, go a little off the reservation, or we or we or we come up with some you know alternate ways of thinking um, as far as the way we arrive at at what would qualify as the best or the worst of something. Yeah, they could be called alternative facts if you're into that. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, we usually start off with uh, the man handling uh, most of the honors because he's more of the straightforward guy. He's going to give you uh, the viewpoint of uh, this is what was really uh, deserves the, the spotlight in football on the field this year. So without further ado, I'll turn it over to Jay. Yes. And, uh, that's also to go with the fact that I, I do have the most sort of year-to-year cohesion with the same categories. I give away awards in all of the same categories every year. Um, but when we do our, you know, like when I do my MVP and, and LVP, so when I do my most and least valuable player, uh, I always open up to you because that's usually your segue into doing your shits and drizzling shits. Mm-hmm. Or the shit and the drizzling shits. Um, which is always the one that I start with, which would be MVP. And this was the one I struggled with the most. You know, we, we had this, we had this all year thing going where sort of like we talked about where you had this sort of like quarterly MVP, right? Um, Because it's always, it's, you know, but that's in the media narrative. That's in your big, your, your big, media, ESPN, Fox News, all these, you know, the, the people who are driving opinions um, or creating opinions um, with, with their coverage and trying to tell you, well, you know, the, we're, we're anointing Russell Wilson at the beginning and then we're moving on and it's, you know, it's Mahomes, it's, you know, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. I, I did none of them. I did none of them. I, you know, and my whole thing with, with MVP, you shouldn't just win it in – you know, the last we, – we've seen this with the Heisman, right, where a guy just all of a sudden wins a Heisman because he finished the season with three really good games, and all of a sudden now he's the Heisman uh, and a high draft pick and a bust, usually. Um, just saying, that happens. Um, I'm looking for – I was looking for consistent production. I was looking for impact. Um, and it led me to go a direction that might be a little controversial. I'm usually very straightforward, you know, and a lot of times I, this was one of those weird years where you think that it should just jump right off the page at you and it should just automatically be that guy. But I was, I'm, I'm thinking a little bit more, a little big, a little more big picture here. Um, I, I was looking for that consistent production. I was looking for the value part of the most valuable as far as value goes I'm also going in the direction um, for my MVP that it was a player who helped turn around a franchise and ascend a player and help ascend a player into the MVP conversation. I am giving my MVP this year to Stefan Diggs. It was a trade that never should have happened. I mean, we, we, we both agree on that. Uh, both both the uh, Hopkins trade and the Diggs trade never should have happened. But we, we came out of that uh, season last year with Josh Allen, and we watched that. We, we, we painfully watched Josh Allen in that Houston playoff game last year. And for, for three quarters, three and a half quarters, they had Houston on the ropes. But when they needed that 
they needed that spark and they needed that offense. It, it just wasn't there. And we always kind of wondered, you know, boy, is Josh Allen never going to really be, you know, is this what he's always going to be, right? He was inaccurate, but he had the big arm and he retools and the Bills go out and literally steal Stephon Diggs away from the Minnesota Vikings uh, to which Stephon Diggs leads the league in receptions and leads the league in receiving yards, um, which is just mind-blowing that he had 120 receptions for 1,535 yards and eight touchdowns. And then even more impressive on top of that, in their two playoff uh, games or three playoff games, he throws on another top 20 receptions for 311 yards and two more touchdowns. Uh, You want to talk about a team that had been always sort of under the thumb of the Patriots, and it was going to be their year. They did. They did have to hold off Miami late, but Miami. We'll talk about Miami a little bit later. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I was going to look at Derrick Henry, uh, who is my runner-up, with you know finishing almost 500 yards clear of the second-leading rusher in the league, and everything that the Tennessee Titans have been able to do. But I'm I'm going to give this award to the person in Diggs who really did help rein in Josh Allen and and you know, took someone that you had called the project and, and almost made you eat it um, to the point where now we, 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 it's not even begrudging respect that we give to Allen anymore. Now people talk about him as potentially a top five quarterback in the league. He's not there without Diggs, um, who is already talented coming over from Minnesota. But yeah, I, I'm going to say if in a year where we can have a, a kid wide receiver win the Heisman out of Alabama, who's pretty good, I heard. Um, I think he's going to be high uh, in the draft. <laughs> I'm going to go a little off the reservation here, which I have done probably more with this award than I have any other award in the past, um, and, and give it to a wide receiver. Wow. Uh, certainly pushed uh, Josh Allen up uh, in the uh, in the prestige category and uh, helped uh, Josh Allen take his game to another level for sure this season. So – as far as my award for the shit, yeah, we're going to have some similarity. Um, it's definitely something I've never done before. And uh, we're, we're not totally kumbaya because I'm also going to yeah. give a nod uh, a little bit to the, to the media narrative and the, the four quarters stories. Uh, so for the shit, what I'm looking for is not necessarily value. It's just, I I, I go with the guy that, really jumps off the screen to me in a season where I say, okay, everyone else is playing NFL football. These are all grown men. These are all at the top of their profession, but, oh, look, there's somebody, uh, Cam Newton's MVP season, for example, Pat Mahomes MVP season, Lamar Jackson last year. There's a guy that's playing above everyone else. There's a guy that's just, he's the shit. He is just on a whole different level uh, than, than everyone else in the league right now. And I guess I saw that in several places, uh, almost uh, you can go back to if you have two quarterbacks, it means you don't have any quarterbacks. Um, I, I saw several guys that jumped off the screen to me, uh, which means that one guy really didn't stand out and jump off to me. Uh, so what I'm going to wind up doing is uh, – giving a nod to everyone that did have those, those moments this year that looked like MVP moments, or it looked like 
of one, like you said, one quarter of the year look like one guy and another quarter of the year look like another guy, um, et cetera, et cetera. But a little bit in deference to your pick, I also am going to give credit to the one guy that helped each guy look like an MVP candidate for each of those four quarters because none of the four guys that got those uh, MVP narratives at quarterback looked like they could have done it without a specific wide receiver on their team that was playing out of his fucking mind as well. So I'm going to split this shit award eight ways this year. Eight guys to me looked like they were the shit because in the first quarter of the year, Russell Wilson, hashtag let Russ cook. He looked like he was the shit, but he wouldn't have looked like that without DJ Metcalf, DK Metcalf, absolutely balling out and going crazy at the wide receiver position. And then they tail off. And in the second quarter of the season, of course, Patrick Mahomes steps up and and starts slinging the ball around and saying, okay, everybody look at me. Remember me. I'm the, I'm the MVP. I'm the Super Bowl champion. I'm the guy that's got the, the half a billion dollar contract. Everybody remember how good I am. So for the second quarter of the year, Patrick Mahomes looked like he was the shit, but he couldn't have looked like that without, Tyreek Hill absolutely flying all over the field. And and remember the one game where he had a, a quarter to for the ages. It was against the two hundred and twenty yards first quarter. Uh the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And oh look, the Super Bowl is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Kansas City Chiefs. How about that? How about that? Uh, <laughs> how about that? So for the second quarter of the year, Pat Mahomes looked like the shit, but Tyreek Hill definitely helped him along. And then Aaron Rodgers steps up in the third quarter of the year and says, okay, I'm the I'm the veteran here. I'm the guy that hasn't won the title in a while, and I'm looking for that second ring, and I'm looking to get my team home field advantage so we can finally have people come through our house. I'm going to turn it up a notch. And for the third quarter of the season, Aaron Rodgers looked like the shit. But he definitely wouldn't have looked like it without Devontae Adams just balling out and going crazy. So for the third quarter of the year, Rodgers and Adams looked like it. And then at the tail end of the season, you already mentioned them, Josh Allen, my guy project. Uh, Mike May, I gave him that nickname. I did not. I always have to, to mention that. But uh, project stepped up and, and put a capper on an, an unbelievable season for the Buffalo Bills, uh, leading them all the way to the division championship. Uh, they they looked awesome. He looked like he took a whole bunch of different steps uh, from what we were seeing the last couple of years to now this year just explodes onto the scene. And he was getting some some votes. He was getting some people in the media saying, hey, maybe this guy is the, the real MVP of the league. Maybe he's really come through. And so Josh Allen, on the fourth quarter of the season, he looked like he was the shit. But he wouldn't have looked like it without your guy, your MVP for 2020, Stephon Diggs helping him out in huge, huge ways. And so all four of those quarterbacks absolutely look like the shit at some point this season, not for the whole season, but definitely at different points. But none of the four could have looked like the shit without their wide receivers really putting forth some big-time effort. All eight of those guys, for me, for 2020, were the shit. Yeah. So, though, that's, uh, I, I, I see how you were thinking there because this was in a weird year 
it really was, and we've joked about it throughout the whole year, the way that that MVP race was, was quartered off, and almost deservedly so. Like, everybody had their everybody had their time to shine. So There was definitely a media narrative to it. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the hat tip on that. However, it, it was legit because no, none of those four looked like the shit the entire season. They all had those segments where they really raised their game and and look like they were putting it together. So yeah, they all had their their times where they looked like it, but nobody had that that whole season all the way through where they looked like. Obviously, Russell Wilson slopped slopped off in the second half big time. Uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, they they all had their their moments and they all sort of segmented the season out to me. So it absolutely made sense for me to to split it up that way. Even a little more crazy there is we somehow end up kumbaya on. on the yeah. So I said that. I, I that's why I was just. I could hear you. Like, oh, oh, yeah, uh, very oh. close, very mm. close. Though I, I almost gave that to Derrick Henry because he, he is superhuman. Oh, by the way, Derrick Henry ran for two thousand yards. Two thousand yards, and like I said, <laughs> uh, the next closest guy was in the fifteen hundreds, and this was in a year that maybe only ten or twelve guys even ran for a thousand. Uh, one of them was Lamar Jackson. So. Right. Um, I, it was, it was close, but you know, we already, you know, and I don't know, I don't want to say that it's Henry's success being used against him, but we kind of already knew what that Tennessee Titans offense was, you know, that nothing's, they're not reinventing anything, um, in that offense, and this, the, buff, the Buffalo offense, even from week one, you just looked at that and went, Oh, this is different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it carried all year. So that's why I'm giving it to Diggs um, slightly over Henry. And I think Henry's style works against him as well. We we talked about that many times, that he definitely doesn't come right out and, and steamroll over you. He builds up, and by the time the fourth quarter gets there, you're like, oh, God, this guy yeah. again. So it, it's a he different style for sure. You. Right. I know we, uh, we, we talked about it when, uh, when Bryce from Brooklyn was calling in. You know, he, he didn't quite call him soft, but, you know, he, you know and, and Henry is a very upright runner. Um, and he does absorb some punishment, but he's doling out punishment all game long. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're in the fourth quarter and those, those D linemen aren't making the plays anymore. And there's a lot of times in the fourth quarter of games, it's Derrick Henry one-on-one against a, a safety or a cornerback to determine if he's going to go for 20 or if he's going to go for 80. And you know what happens a lot of the times when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, that was definitely a highlight play. So uh, I will be stunned if we're not kumbaya <laughs> on this one. I tried. I tried so hard. I tried for least valuable player to, to come up with somebody else. I looked nope. through the stats. I, it's Carson nope. Wentz. Yep, no, no doubt. It's, it, it's Carson Wentz. I mean, his statistically, was he the worst? No. Uh, you know, he was close to some other guy. Sam Darnold comes to mind. He was pretty terrible this year. Uh, you know, I, I've crapped on running backs in the past. I've crapped on DBs in the past. I mean, I, I've found some least valuable players who really deserved it. Carson Wentz was in a division that the Eagles, if they got anything out of the quarterback position, should have walked away with, or any team should have walked away with. That, that, that was that was putrid. I mean, 57% completion rate, which was great in 1982. <laughs> you know. 16 touchdowns, 15 picks, but he's not just throwing picks. He's throwing picks to D linemen on screen passes. <laughs> Carson went with, I don't, was he hurt? Did he have the yips? I don't know. 
Carson Wentz in that in, in only 12 games were those were 12 of the worst games at the quarterback position that you can watch. That was Andy Dalton on a Thursday night every week for 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And it just it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and it was so bad that you know Doug Peterson yanks him to go to Jalen Hurts. I don't think Jalen Hurts is is a world beater. It, but the but also that offense was competent. Better than wins. It was com- it, it wasn't even even Hurts's numbers weren't great. He did give them the running dimension, but Wentz was the worst. And, and I have a feeling you're about to agree with me. Hurts's nameplate should have just said "Not C Wentz." That's all he was. He's just someone that wasn't. Yeah. Not Wentz. That's all he was. He was someone that wasn't Carson Wentz, and the Eagles immediately responded and played much better as a team and uh, had a chance, of course, to to win the division late in the season, that pathetic division. Uh, Yeah, I don't have too much else to add. Uh, 2,620 yards for the season after 4,039 yards last year. Uh, You mentioned the other terrible stats, the terrible completion percentage, the 16 to 15 touchdown to interception ratio, the four lost fumbles uh, in addition to that. Uh, and pacing the uh, pro football focus stat all year long, wire to wire, secretariat in 73 uh, for most turnover worthy throws in the NFL. Even after he got benched, he continued to pace that category as the leader. Carson Wentz, there's no doubt about it. You were the drizzling shits. We need a sound effect for that. Oh, we've got plenty that I could pull out. There's all the ones that I pull out when I make uh, terrible picks and, and go through the... <laughs> yeah. No, it's... Yeah, no. I, I will say um, when I searched for or thought of who could it possibly have been, like who's the runner-up to Wentz, I, I, the only one I came up with was Cam Newton. Ooh, because yeah. Cam Newton's campaign was, was brutal too. Um, but for those, for those first four weeks, at least Cam Newton was giving you a glimmer. Right. It, Carson Wentz never gave you that. <laughs> there was no he glimmer. Was, he was bad, bad, bad from the beginning. Uh, yeah. And it just, it, it never stopped until the cane came out and pulled him off the stage. <laughs> and now Doug Peterson's gone. That Fran, that Fran, that's just a wreck. That is going to be one of the off season stories to watch the most is what do they do with Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts? What? what ugh. I don't know, but I know that new coach doesn't have a clue what the hell he's doing. Ah, so I'll move into <laughs> Quote of the year, uh, you know, we've pulled some. I remember last year it was Marlon Humphrey uh, crapping all over Lamar Jackson after the playoff loss, which somebody else did again this year. And I don't want to keep using <laughs> Ravens quotes every time they come up small in the playoffs. Hollywood uh, had something to say this time. Yeah. You know, this is one where you don't automatically, you know, just, you know, think of something. But I, I had this one pretty early on, and I just had to jog the brain to remember it. So I finally did my search, and I was like, who said that? And then I remembered who said it, and I looked it up, and sure enough, it's the simplest quote you'll ever hear. If I die, I die. 
That's what Kirk Cousins yeah. said about COVID uh, to Kyle Brandt on his podcast in September of uh, this year. Uh, although it was – Kirk Cousins said that that was recorded during the summer. That's fine. But you want to talk about encapsulating the uh, the COVID scare or COVID nightmare of 2020 and the, the sort of obliviousness or whatever – or bravado or whatever you want to call it of, of these NFL players in the face of uh, – of a worldwide pandemic, there's Kirk Cousins channeling his Jamal, inner Jamal Adams. <laughs> if I die, I die. That's so they got to dig up uh, John Facenda to have him do the voiceover for the <laughs> NFL official films. Yeah. The 2020 for film the for the NFL. For the Vikings 2020 DVD? If I die, no, the, I die. No, that's for the whole league. Oh, uh-huh. the, entire, the entire NFL yeah. uh, season the 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 whole that's the quote for the whole league for everybody in the league and that's from the owners looking down at them and just kind of shrugging their shoulders at the the protocols and saying you know what NFL 2020 if they die they die that's right we, next man up <laughs> yeah pretty much oh so yeah uh yeah quote of the year it's funny but it shouldn't be Yes. Well, that that could be the tagline for our show too. What our show is funny, but it shouldn't be. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's usually just funny, but sometimes oh, it shouldn't well, be. We we think it is. <laughs> oh man! So that leads me to play of the year, best play because I do have a worst play. Uh, best play of the year, and I, you know, and I didn't want to give it to an obvious one, but just for what capped off. One of the most fun, crazy games all year, which I did not give game of the year to. I decided I was going to throw a bone to the Week 10 tilt between Buffalo and Arizona, the Hale Murray. Which, yeah, that which was ended an absolutely crazy game uh, where Buffalo and, and Arizona, Buffalo has the lead on Arizona and they're going back and forth. And then Arizona has the crazy comeback and they get that thing to about midfield. And, you know, Buffalo was in that. You know, that was the beginning of that about three-week stretch where they just couldn't stop giving up Hail Marys, but that was the first. <laughs> uh, and and definitely the one that had the most impact on them. I believe they had a game the next week where they kept giving up Hail Marys to, like, the two-yard line. <laughs> and, they, and then they had to keep a team out of the end zone for four tries. So absolutely crazy, but the Hail Murray, uh, that, 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 that crazy throw uh, – running to his left, almost starting to fall out of bounds. I still swear that only Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray are capable of contorting their body and, and doing that and running backwards almost and still jumping in the air and having the arm strength to put that thing on a dime into the end zone. Uh, I still can't believe that play happened. Well, I call it Pat Mahomes. Like that's the type of throw that Mahomes usually makes uh, with the, the combination of awkward, uh, landing position and crazy arm string. Like the fact that you can still get off throws that deep uh, while falling and yeah. contorting yourself. That That's something that Mahomes usually does across his body, across the field. So, yeah, that was my play or play of the year. And, t- and capped off by a, a sick mossing by uh, DeAndre Hopkins where he yeah. just goes up in the sea of hands and says, nope, I got this. Nobody else. I'm the one. I'm taking this. Nobody else has a chance. I'm taking this down. Another guy who shouldn't be on that team. Exactly. So, uh, 
I'm going to go worst play of the year here because the worst play of the year for me was the play that sort of encapsulates everything that I hate. And I complained Uh about it to no end on the show when it happened. And I know you're sick of me talking about it, but because this isn't just a regular season podcast, I'm going to the damn Richard Higgins getting speared in the helmet by Daniel Sorensen and then fumbling the ball past the pylon out of bounds for a safety in the Browns divisional round matchup against the Kansas city chiefs. Just, just, just all in one play, the worst things that you can happen, a non-reviewable top of the helmet into the ear hole that then causes a guy to fumble the ball past the pylon into the worst rule in football, worst play of the year. Yeah, and you know, could be most uh, egregious officiating boner where they completely ignore the spearing into oh. the side of no, the that head. Was the, that was the entire NFC Championship game. <laughs> yeah, all y'all in Wisconsin had a real bone to pick with with the the, the officiating in that game. And it wasn't good. I, I admit it definitely wasn't. Uh, no, it was just it was just bad officiating. Now, I mean, I'm not going to say that that play at the end shouldn't have been flagged, which it should have, but there, you, you were watching that get guys get away with that crap all game. True. That's all. That's the point. You know, so the, the Troy Aikman euphemism, they're letting them play um, <laughs> is usually I'm hiding bad officiating. <laughs> yeah, they're just letting them play. They're, they're letting they're them decide letting them the play. game. Yeah. So that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, one, was... that play, that was, yeah, that was, again, that was bad officiating, lack of, lack of replay integrity. Cause I'm still the let them replay everything guy. Um, the worst rule in football <laughs> with the, with the ball <laughs> sneaking past the pylon, every, all of it in one play and it's in the playoffs. And the yeah. only reason people aren't as up in arms as they should be about it is because it all happened to Cleveland. Right. It was the Cleveland Browns. Who cares? Right. Uh, as much talk as there's been about that rule, it's got to get changed, right? Like, you're not the only one at all that's uh, railing against that. Years. I've been complaining about that rule for years. <laughs> right. Well, now everyone else is on your side because it did happen in the playoffs. Even though it was the Browns, it was seen by many, many people, and it did have uh, many uh, detractors and, and people yes. complaining about that rule. So you, you might get your and, wish this offseason. And it had an impact on the game. I mean, you're talking about yeah, a Cleveland definitely. team that was going into – to score a touchdown, I believe that would have made it 14 to 10 or ish. And I know you don't want to play out the, uh, the, yeah, no, no, I mean, simple math of, well, if you add that to the score, then they win the game. No, I'm I I didn't go there because I crapped all over that a show or two ago with the wipe your ass analogy. But (laughs) at that point in the game, that would have made it a much tighter game. True. Because the direct result of that fumble out of bounds was Kansas City runs right down the field and gets the field goal right before halftime. That directly happened. A big 10 nothing swing in the middle of a tight game. Yeah, that, that, that yeah. was huge. So, so that, to me, was the worst play of the year, which will move me into rookie of the year. This is a good category. Um, a lot of good rookies this year. But I don't want to go chalky, and I hate to give it to a quarterback. Man, Justin Herbert is pretty damn good. Yeah, it's hard to ignore what he did this year. 
uh, yeah, basically called into action um, for whatever we want to call medical malpractice, basically <laughs> in in a game against in a game against the Chiefs, and goes out and and almost beats Patrick Mahomes, and has his team in a lot of games all year, and the Chargers definitely had a way of of losing games. Um, which also cost Anthony Lynn uh, his job. But, you know, Justin Herbert, I mean, started what, starting in week two, uh, 67% completion rate, 4,336 yards, 31 touchdowns and 10 picks. That's, those are some good numbers. Uh, those are, and those are a lot of rookie, uh, top rookie numbers, rookie records and, uh, things are things are looking up for uh, for the Los Angeles Clipper Chargers of San Diego. Yeah, it's hard to to crap on that season that he had, as, uh, like you said, coming out of obscurity, not meant to be the starter. Who knows who he would have been when he would have been given the reins this season? Uh, but of course, had to be given the reins very early, much earlier than the thought. And and the day of the game, didn't know that he was going to be given the reins. But yep, something happened to Tyrod Taylor and kid. Go take the ball. You're you're the starter now. Okay, and uh, yeah, had a hell of a game against the, the, the Chiefs, and uh, had, went on to have a hell of a season. Uh, can't take anything away from it. It's definitely uh, a season where you look at it as a as a fan of the Chargers, if they have any fans, and you go, oh, that's what he did his rookie year. What's he going to do in his second year? Oh, okay, let's let's go. So, a uh, lot to look forward to there for for LA if they can get any fans. Yeah, get fans, get a coach. <laughs> you know, yeah. they've, they've got a decent defense, but you know, Anthony Lynn uh, flies under the radar because of Atlanta for his ability to like blow leads and and lose close games. Nobody does it better than Anthony Lynn, and now he's gone. And and you know, but I'm excited to see. You know, uh, I know our, our our most prolific caller, Bryce from Brooklyn, uh, he, he he's all in on Justin Herbert. Yeah, he's saying that, look, Pat Mahomes is, is, doesn't necessarily have it laid out for him for the next decade because Justin Herbert might provide a challenge. So we'll, yeah. we'll see if he can stay on that plane. I'm conflicted on my least valuable rookie or worst rookie of the year because it's not his fault that I am giving him this award. I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw some pity on the guy who I picked for least valuable rookie or worst rookie of the year, whichever way you want to frame it up. I usually have, I have it written worst rookie on the notes on my phone. Um, Cause he probably shouldn't have been playing anyways, but when he did play, didn't really pass the eye test and pretty much shit the bed in the biggest game of the season. I, I got to give it to Tua. Mm. Poor guy. I, you know, his coach, uh, Brian Flores, we've talked a lot about him. We we dissected this move all year long, but all the chips are down. All you got to do is win and get into the playoffs. And that that last game that Tua played, that Week 17 matchup, that was not ready for prime time. And that was that was walking the tightrope without a net, no Ryan Fitzpatrick waiting in the wings to bail you out. It's all you win one, and we're in the playoffs. And that was a hideous performance against a team playing for nothing. 
in the Buffalo Bills, and he's thrown three second half interceptions. And the stats for the season for him, it's just, it, it, I, he's a guy, but you know, six point three yards per attempt, not very good. Sixty-four percent completion, eleven touchdowns, five. He's sort of pedestrian, but the thing that was always sort of with us was like it never really passed that eye test. Like you never thought, like even the games that they were winning, they weren't winning because of him. Like if Ryan Fitzpatrick could have won those games. Um, and Ryan Fitzpatrick also in, in the bulk of his action, uh, much, much more solid metrics, higher completion percentage, higher yards per attempt, uh, higher quarterback rating. And, and Anthony, not Anthony, Brian Flores. Freudian slip. Freudian slip. Uh, Brian Flores, uh, in I don't know if that was his choice. Did that come down from above? Was it predetermined before the season that this was going to be the play and it was going to be Fitzpatrick up to the bye week? And then we're going to Tua, you know, sort of no matter what. It it was a it was a wrong move. So uh, I begrudgingly give this to Tua because I don't think it's his fault. Yeah, that Rams game. I remember they won. They they got touchdowns oh, in every yeah. manner you could possibly imagine, defensive yeah. and special teams, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then two or threw a touchdown in there from like a yard out, and like to, to sort of salvage his day. But otherwise, it was he was not good at all. But they still found a way to win the games. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right that he did not look like uh, a starting NFL quarterback. They they gave him the reins, and uh, he he did the best he could, but he, he's just not there and will he ever get there we don't know of course it's too early to tell but uh there's a lot of uh hype there's a lot of looking forward to when he finally was able to take the field and fully recover from the the hip situation in Alabama that had some people speculating will he ever really play football um and the battle all the way back from that you know good on him but He's still got a long ways to go, and it doesn't help that his coach is uh, using closers like he's uh, managing a baseball team. Yeah, and actually using that analogy, and I, yeah. I called him Dusty Baker a few times on this show. Uh, I almost tongue-in-cheek gave this to Jordan Love um, <laughs> just because of where he was drafted, and I looked at the list of players that, the, that were drafted Oh no! After don't do that. Jordan Love, but no, no, only oh, no. after Jordan Love, and oh, up until the Packers' next pick, okay. which was their, which was AJ Dillon. I didn't look at every player drafted <laughs> after Jordan Love for the whole rest of the draft. I'm just like, okay, here are the Packers picking at 26, and then they picked again at 62, and they took AJ Dillon, and was a very good pick. Sure, uh, AJ Dillon's the guy, I believe, going forward. I think. Uh, Almost called him Amon Green. Same guy. Uh, Aaron Jones. Is same guy. Same guy, different number. Um, but pretty much, he's goner. I, I think I think he's gone. So I think A.J. Dillon and, and some sort of uh, reclamation type player or draft pick ends up being the, the guy. Because they're not going to – why would they throw all this money at at Aaron Jones? It makes no sense especially at that position. So let somebody else overpay for him. But I'm looking at just like, you know what? I'm wondering if the Packers could have used any of these guys in that game against Tampa, like Patrick Queen. Yeah. Or Jeff Gladney or T Higgins. Uh, yeah. 
you know, Xavier McKinney, mm-hmm. LaVisca Chanel, who's actually in Jacksonville, made a few nice plays this year. Cole Komet uh, had a yeah. decent, decent – Antoine Winfield, even though he was hurt yeah. in the – yeah, I think they – we don't know he's going to be hurt if the Packers draft him. We don't know, right? Right. Chase Claypool <laughs> might have made a few plays. Cam Akers, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. AJ Epinesa, J.K. Dobbins, these Van Jefferson, oh. all these guys oh. were drafted between Jordan Love and AJ Dillon. So I almost tongue in cheek gave it to Jordan Love because it's not his fault. He didn't even play it down, which would have been a, rec- a, a very first on this show that we actually gave worst rookie of the year to a guy <laughs> who didn't play a single down. Actually, was inactive, I believe, for every game. But I didn't understand the pick. I know they kind of – I know that the Packers panicked because the guy who they wanted was Brandon Ayuk, who got drafted the player before they picked. And somebody must have been looking at a board, and he must have been the top guy on their board. But, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm watching that game against Tampa. You just felt like the Packers were one player away, especially on defense. Um. Yeah, I almost I almost gave it to to Jordan Love. They get paid a lot of money to not panic when their guy gets drafted uh, off the board right before they pick. Yeah, um, but yeah, your your mom's favorite draft pick of all time, Jordan Love. Oh, she was not happy. <laughs> no, she wasn't. <laughs> uh, rookie steal of the draft. Uh, first, this is also a first. I always go through the list of the draft, and I'm looking usually in that rounds five, six, or seven for uh, the rookie steal of the draft. And for the first time ever, I'm going to go UDFA. Ooh. James Robinson somehow did not get drafted. James Robinson from the Jacksonville Jaguars amazingly the fifth leading rusher in the league this year. Completely undrafted. 1,070 yards rushing, a 240 carries, a 4.4 yards per rush, undrafted rookie free agent. That is Mm -hmm. a steal. Absolutely. And, you know, more and more they talk about these running backs, uh, almost to to the point of uh, what you're talking about, Aaron Jones, that uh, you don't have to overpay, you don't have to overspend, just just keep keep churning, keep finding other guys and keep bringing them in and and don't spend a whole lot of money on that position because you you can just find a guy. And the the Jaguars, for all their uh, deficiencies and all their faults, they found the guy, undrafted. Yeah, that's a hell of a season. Yeah, so I'm always saying rookie rookie steal of the draft, and we're going to somebody who didn't even get drafted. I I don't I, I'm not going to do the exercise of looking through like the sixth or seventh round because you're looking at basically a list of all these guys who got cut. Yeah. And the Jaguars that we we that what a joke franchise still mm-hmm. managed to find a guy who's the fifth leading rusher in the league. You look at the list of guys that he outrushed. I mean, maybe some of these guys were hurt, but it doesn't matter. He outrushed a lot of really good players 
The only mm-hmm. guys who rushed for more yards than James Robinson, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor, and Aaron Jones. That's it. That's the list. He was tied with yeah. David Montgomery, your boy. <laughs> My guy. Uh, yeah, hell of a season for uh, for James Robinson. Uh, again, all the things that the Jaguars do wrong, they, they did that correctly. Uh, so it's not the uh, draft steal of the year. It's, it's steal of the draft season ish. Cause yeah, it was around I, the draft season where they, they picked them up off the street. It jumped off. Like, you know, it was one of those where I, you know, I'm, I'm always sitting there and I'm going round five, round six, round seven. I'm looking for that guy who was like super productive. I'm like, no, 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 no. When, when you have a guy who doesn't even get drafted produced like that, that's a steal. No doubt. So good, good on you, Jacksonville. This kid, this kid's making nothing. I mean, probably right. <laughs> right. Mean, that's a steal too. League minimum. Yeah, you know, he'll be in the league for three years, and then you'll never see him again. But he at least got an award on our show. <laughs> Story of the year, duh. It's COVID. I mean, yeah. That's what I even wrote on my phone. I wrote, duh, <laughs> it's COVID. I mean, we, I didn't, I don't need, I don't have any stats. I don't have any figures. That's the story of the year. It was omnipresent throughout the entire season. It created some of the craziest scenarios. Uh, one of them we'll get to later. Uh, several of them we had the issue with uh, Baltimore, we had Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh crying. We never felt like they never could felt like they could really ever have like a bye week and, you know, all of a sudden, guy can't play because he, he's got the goop. Uh, it, it just it wrecked a lot of things this year. And uh, the fact that they were able to sort of – we said it when we did our preview show with the Damn the Torpedoes. We talked about how icky we felt about even being able to do a football preview show. And we weren't even sure they were going to play. I mean, we reached that tipping point where – it was even being talked about early in the season, maybe like around week four, week five, when everything was blowing up COVID-wise, you know, in October and November, that that might be it. It might be over. Um, and it just, you know, hung like a pall over the whole season. But we, they made it through, and they're playing a Super Bowl. So they, they damned the torpedoes. They sure did. I think the only thing looking back that would have stopped them is uh, an actual NFL death from the damn thing. Uh, But everyone was able to recover uh, in various degrees and make it back on the field, make it back to the sideline. And therefore the NFL was able to sort of turn and uh, look at the public with their, you know, with the public facing uh, look and say, Hey, uh, we're, we're good. Everything's fine. Look at us. We, everyone recovered. Everyone came back. We played every game. It wasn't on time, but it was played eventually all the games and uh, look, everything turned out. Okay. You know, so they were, they were lucky in that respect that, that nobody uh, actually perished uh, at least as far as the players on the field, Now, their family members and uh, people that they may have come in contact with. We don't know. And we're never going to find out because they're never going to uh, address anything like that. Uh, but yeah, they they did make it through this this year, or as I call it, the first year of COVID nineteen, because the way things yeah. are going, well, you're up, you're up in August. We, were, we might be going through all of this all over again. We were talking: is this the was twenty twenty the main course, or was it the appetizer? And we still don't know yet. Uh, we 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 don't. We really don't. It feels like Baseball a horror movie that year. is just yeah, that too. 
feels like a horror movie that's going on and on and on and just won't end. Well, we rebranded this next award a couple of few seasons ago. It used to be the Houston, Detec- Houston Texans Memorial <laughs> Cheap Pick to make the – that was just the Jimmy Garoppolo Award. That's right. We, <laughs> we're not even above changing the names of our awards. That's which team is going to be the media darling going into the next season. Usually it's a team that goes on a run late. Because of the expanded playoffs this year, most of those those teams that went on runs, even the bad ones, they made the playoffs, <laughs> like the Bears. Um, oh, God. Just on the virtue of the strength of their quarterback, I think the team that's going to get most the most undeserved love, because that's usually that's what this award is for, right? Media hype. Media hype, which does not mean anything. I'm giving it to once again, second award for this team, I'm giving it to the Los Angeles Clipper Chargers of San Diego. Yeah. I, I <laughs> Right? I mean, that, that wasn't an obvious pick, but I'm looking through the list of teams. And I'm like, who do I think is going to get that? Well, no, it's it's all going to because the quarterback. And that's it. That is the only thing you can point to is Justin Herbert taking that big step going into year two and they're going to, uh, they're going to challenge the Kansas city chiefs, you know, watch out. You, you know, who you know, they'll be the, what about team, you know, what about what, the chargers? What, I think when all the guys I, are sitting around our course team, I think they're going to challenge the chiefs. Yeah, yeah, I have, I have a feeling that the chargers are going to be everybody's dark horse team going into 2021. Yeah. We know all the talking points already. Um, I think there's a great challenger for that. A great runner up right there in the same damn city. The Rams. Because, man, Man. they're going to talk them up with Matthew Stafford in the house now. Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay as a tag team. You're just going to be nothing but love for for those two, and and they're going to be all over the magazines out in L.A., and they're the the new super duo. And that's so fresh. We haven't even, you know, this is a season retrospective. We haven't even had a chance to sort of unpack that one yet. It happened uh, since the last time we were on the air. Yeah, it happened like two nights ago. But what a huge, yeah, just crazy. So, But the Rams are already a good team. They are. So, But, I, they're, I but they're definitely going to get that hype. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I, I also think that the Niners might get some of that type of, you know, because I think that people are going to, what about the Niners? They were all injured last year, you know, so watch yeah. out. That division, that's still a good division. I mean, that is probably that division with Arizona, Seattle, Rams, the Seahawks. You tell me right now who's coming out of that division next year. You have no clue. Uh, especially since San Francisco, that situation is not settled from all I'm reading. They're, they're, they're going to move on from Garoppolo, and I don't know where they're going exactly, but, but that, that, they're going to make a change just like the Rams did with golf. They're, they're going to switch him out for some veteran. Yeah, they're going to make a splash. Uh, I, I, it's Garoppolo. He'll be back the Patriots. You know Belichick wants him back. <laughs> That's probably would be the the right place, except I don't know if, if the Patriots have if, anything in return if, that the Niners would want. They might just have to cut him. Oh. It, it might happen. Hmm. I don't know if Garoppolo's the guy moving in a trade. I mean, it's, it makes sense, but Jared Goff going to Detroit would probably be the big loser out of that. Ugh. I was about to say, I wouldn't think golf would be a, a big trade chip anywhere the way he'd been playing. But he wasn't. <laughs> they had to throw in a whole bunch of number ones yeah. to do it, right? Yeah. 
I don't think Detroit was sitting there going, oh, yeah, we want that Jared Goff guy. I, I just think they wanted Stafford. I think they wanted a clean slate. They, they gave uh, their veteran a, a, a chance at actually winning, which he wasn't going to get there. And they Correct. got a whole, uh, they got a haul of, of number ones in return. Yeah. So I, that's why I, that, I, Jared Goff goes in there as a, as a stopgap. That's Robert Sala's team now, right? That's right. Well, wait. Detroit? Oh, Sala went to the Jets. Ooh, oh, right. so Detroit hired. Uh, oh God! God. Been so many hires. <laughs> Name is escaping. Dan Campbell. Yeah, kneecap guy. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's two uh, coaches that uh, absolutely signal to everybody watching that they have no fucking clue what they're doing uh, this off season. He's the one, and and Sirianni and Philly is the other. Both of them have no idea what the fuck they're doing. Pretty much. <laughs> like they were Jim Tom Sula bad in their press conference. If you remember Jim Tom Sula, you're talking about a guy that didn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. And both of those guys gave me those vibes in their press conferences. So yeah, those are. Yeah, good luck, Jared Goff. <laughs> Go get him. Man, the only thing that would be worse for Jared Goff is if the uh, Lions had hired uh, Jeff Fisher. <laughs> now that would be the kiss of death. Do you remember Goff under Fisher? Oh, yeah. I believe he was worst rookie of the year that year for me. It was terrible. It was so bad. He was worse than Tua. Yeah, no, Goff was just missing wide open dudes. I mean, there'd be wide open dudes (laughs) 10 yards away from him, and he was throwing the ball into the stands. That was bad. Um, Like your whiskey. The stuff I'm drinking is strong tonight. Um, Uh oh. Like, God, come on. I've always. Hitting in there. Don't, 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 don't do it. Don't do a Harry carry and hit the floor on us here. No, 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 no. It's not, it's not ice cold, refreshing Budweiser. <laughs> Put on that cigar, Steve. <laughs> oh, oh, one of my, one of my little, uh, tongue in cheek awards, the, it happened this year, but it feels like so long ago award. It's like something that happened like way back at the beginning of the season. And I know you're not going to like this one. Uh, but do you remember back at the beginning of the season that the Bears were going to challenge the Packers for the division title? <sighs> that was a that was a narrative. That that was a media thing early in the season when the Bears were running off all those undeserved victories, and they were oh look at them they're they're gonna they're gonna take down the Packers. Oh, yeah, mm. but that happened this year. The, the whole Nick Foles thing itself feels like seven years ago. Like <laughs> just just that. Yeah, I didn't even give them any awards uh, this year because I didn't want to think about that whole situation. But yeah, that that whole that whole franchise. The only just, award I gave to the Bears. And and did deserve it because that that does really really did feel like a, a, a lifetime ago that they thought they were going to contend with the for the Packers. Ugh. All right, one of our favorite awards here, the Kim Etheridge Public Relations Award. Oh, girl. The award that we give to the the biggest PR uh, faux pas of the year, um, you know, and I, I have to explain it every year, Kim Etheridge was Terrell Owens' uh, press agent or whatever you want to call it when uh, there was a rumored suicide attempt uh of, of her T.O., which she 
famously said T.O.'s got 20, 20 million reasons to live. And, and that a man of his statue w- wouldn't do something mm. like that. We have always, uh, I believe also the only uh, and first female in the NFL Hall of Infamy. Historic. First year, first ballot, I believe. First or second. Um, unless you want to count the porn stars from the porno movie. From from Wild Cherries 5, I believe it was, that got in a couple of years ago for the uh, Super Bowl thing. Yeah, but Etheridge was way before that. Yeah, 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 before it was cool. Um, boy, you know what? You want to talk, you know, we talk about people who stepped in it. Uh, you would uh, people who want to us want us to forget that they stepped in it. I'm giving this award to Drew Brees, Oof. because Drew Brees had himself one awful June, let's say, uh, in the wake of the uh, George Floyd protests at a time when the best thing that Drew Brees could have been was done was to just shut up, Drew. Nobody cares what you think. Why are you talking about this? Drew Brees basically decides to call out uh, people who are, you know, disrespecting the flag, whatever. It's just like, Drew, shut up. Drew. And so so he loses his locker room. All of his teammates are talking about how it was like the worst thing ever, Malcolm Jenkins and Alvin Kamara, and they, 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 keep, they were betrayed. Then what does Drew Brees do? He goes on the Drew Brees apology tour, which then pisses off everybody else. <laughs> like, everybody who you didn't piss off with your first statement, you pissed off with your second statement. So somebody who probably needs a, a PR agent, definitely deserving of this award for not just stepping in it, stepping in it with both feet and then jumping in it head first. <laughs> I have to give this, and, and you won't hear about this anymore, right? This is all, oh, it's the Drew. Oh, Brees no. Oh, he's the greatest guy ever. Oh, he was playing hurt. No, no, no. Drew Brees, you stepped in it. We called you out here on this show for stepping in it. When I told you to just shut the hell up or double down or go away, you just kept stepping in it. So uh, worst PR move of the year has to go to Drew Brees. You thought he was a defensive back the way he was backpedaling after that. Man, he... Man, that apology tour that he went yeah, on... He... Everything. To everybody. He was apologizing for things he didn't say. He was just everything. Drew, it was just like, I don't care. Anybody, anybody out there, can I, can I apologize to you? Can I apologize to you? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Drew Brees, man. Dude. You shouldn't have opened your mouth in the first place. Then when you should well, have just shut up and let it die down, you can oh. Breeze. Well, for something like the the protest this summer, it's not that he shouldn't have opened his mouth. Is that it's so easy to open your mouth and say something that isn't controversial. All you have to say is, "I support my teammates. I uh, support mm-hmm. the uh, everyone uh, that's marching and and how strongly they feel about the situation." I, I certainly understand their perspective. You don't have to uh, join the movement. You don't have to put on a Black Lives Matter T-shirt. You don't have to do anything. You can open your mouth and say anything right. that won't get you. Uh, in trouble with anybody. You can be very bland and, and nonchalant. If you don't believe in the cause, you can uh, make it a, a very, you know, PC, um, I support uh, uh, peaceful uh, movements in America. I've, you know, I support peace, yeah. basically. You don't have to say anything of intelligence at all, but to say that in that moment is like, what, why, what, what do you, why would, why did you think that was a good idea? 
Uh, and then you have to turn around and backpedal out of that and, and completely alienate the uh, the MAGA people that you just tried to uh, cuddle up to, basically. It's like, okay, pick a side. What are you doing? Like, what? how, how can you play both sides yeah. of that? Of that oh, is, the Pick a Lane Award, which we don't have God. on this show. But yeah, Drew Brees, uh, Drew, Drew Brees didn't just pick the lane. He was jumping the median, like head on into traffic on both sides. And it wasn't working. And it was like every time he'd open up his mouth, it just got worse. And there, there was about goes. a two there was about a two or three week period during all of this, like the height of the protests and the riots. I mean the the the, the city the, the cities were burning. I mean they were burning down police. It was the height of the tension of everything. And there's Drew Brees just stepping in shit with <laughs> I mean every few <laughs> So there you go. It's the, it's the don't run into traffic award in, in uh, honor Man. of the kid over here uh, on I-240 that ran into traffic trying to get oh. away from police and got flattened by an 18-wheeler. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. Drew Brees, you earned it. We, yeah. that's a, that, that award always finds somebody. I, I love that award. Uh, so game of the year. Uh, I'll move on to yeah, game of the year and worst game of the year. Uh, game of the year. I didn't give it to that Bills uh, Cardinals game. Might have been the most fun game of the year, but I think the best game of the year. And again, I'm this is the third time I have gone to this team um, because it was a game that was you know there was a storyline. It was compelling. It was something new. It was surprising. I'm going back to Week Two: Chiefs 23, Chargers 20 in overtime. Um. I'm going back to that first Justin Herbert start because this was at a point where the Chiefs were just in their second game coming off of their Super Bowl title. The Chiefs were the you know, they, they're everything, and now you're going to go up against like, the Chargers. They're going to just throw this kid out there, and Justin Herbert and went toe to toe against Patrick Mahomes and almost came out the better for it. And that team had a lead. For that whole game, that was this was another one of those Chiefs playing flat and then just kind of flipped the switch to win late, which we didn't know was going to be their move back in week two, but it turned out to be their move all year. Yes. Um. Just you know, and you were just watching it like you, it, no matter what side you were on, it was one of those where you found yourself pulling for the Chargers because you liked that underdog story. You didn't quite know what had happened. You just knew that Tyrod Taylor was a late medical scratch and Justin Herbert was getting thrown in with no practice and goes out and plays a hell of a game. So just sort of for the storylines and for what the, the, the springboard out of that game uh, that we got. This is the third time. And we're actually going to get the Chargers one more time here. This is a very Chargers-heavy show here. Um, mm. Very deserving for the last one. Um, I'm going to go with that 23-20 overtime game. As, as my game of the year. Like you said, everyone likes an underdog. Uh, everyone uh, is on the edge of their seat when Butler is uh, a half court fling away from knocking off Duke to win the college basketball yeah. title. Everyone loves to see the, the little guy come up and, and punch the champion and punch the big guy in the throat and, and try to assert themselves. So yeah, it was, uh, uh, I wish I'd have seen the game live, but it was uh, quite the thing to watch. Justin Herbert, actually, I may have that may have been on live uh, that week. It was a long time ago. Um, I remember watching that first drive. 
you're like, oh, geez, okay, this is Justin Herbert. And he, he's like, he didn't really know too much. He just knew he was a high draft pick, you know, and he wasn't expected to play at all. And I remember that first drive, and you're watching these throws, and you're going, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That, that was pretty good. And then you're like, go to the next drive. You're like, all right, let's see that. Oh, he did it again. He <laughs> <laughs> just, just kept doing it. <laughs> and he did it all year. Yeah, that's what I remember is, is – he showed you why he was drafted that high, basically. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. I see it. I see why they t- – okay, I see why they took him back, though. Okay, I got it. It was the anti-Tua. Because <laughs> <laughs> you look at Tua and you go, I don't see it. What, I don't I know why it? they took him that high. I it, don't know. Was right before Justin Herbert. Mm. Man. Um, one of them showed you uh, why he was taken that high, and the other one uh, did not. And this would be an upset for worst game of the year if I didn't go back and, and, and commemorate the worst game of the year. Week 12, Saints 31, Broncos 3. Oh, my God. Uh, as we will forever know on this show, is the game where the Broncos played without a quarterback. Correct. And the Saints. Uh, right. The Saints, uh, because of injury, are rolling out there with, uh, with, with Taysom Hill. And the uh, the Broncos roll out there with a guy that nobody had ever heard of, and I didn't even bother looking up his name because it was one of the worst uh, quarterbacking efforts that you'll ever see. I believe he was one for nine for the game. I believe he completed one pass. This was a game that should not have been played. Um. Teams around the league were up at arms that basically the the Saints were just given a freebie. Uh, I mean, how many other teams would have liked that same scenario? Sure. They would have just allowed a team to play uh, nobody and and go through a game. And it it was to sign a kid off the street, basically, or after – oh, it was was just terrible. So the whole quarterback room for the Broncos gets the goop. Yeah. And then somebody in their in their infinite wisdom just decides that they're going to uh, keep the game. Don't don't reschedule the game. Don't wait for one of these quarterbacks to clear the protocol. They had had no problem the whole season playing games, you know, on Tuesday or Wednesday or doing doing any of that. They decided that this was the spot that they're just going to let the game continue, and and it was. It was an affront to football. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen anything worse. Kendall Hinton, the gentleman's yep. name, one for nine for 13 yards with two picks. It, it, uh, yeah, and just it, it was it was you. You talked about that icky feeling when we were picking the season. That was the game when I had the icky feeling. Right, that that made you not want to be a football fan because you're like, why why are they playing this game and why are why are we forced to watch this? This isn't football. This is um, I, the only redeeming quality is if we would have betted and made money off it because it was such an obvious pick. But I, yeah, I, I didn't even do that. that yeah, um, and, and what was so sad for that game was that the Denver defense. In a thir- that was the best defensive effort you'll ever see in a, a 31-point game. <laughs> I mean, the Denver defense, like, they had the right moves and the right stuff for Taysom Hill. 
Like you could see their game plan. You could see what Vic Fangio was dialing up for 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 coming out and coming after Taysom Hill. But it was the worst offensive performance maybe ever. I mean, I mean, there's been some bad ones, but that just that never should have happened. And uh, that was probably the low light of our season when it comes to a COVID standpoint. I was going to fill in those details uh, because this is an award for me. So I'll just give that award real quick right now. I had, I called it, excuse me. I called it the, if 2020 was a box score award because (laughs) the box score of, as you said, one of nine for 13 yards and two interceptions uh, for Denver quarterback with a quote, you can see I'm doing the air quotes, Denver quarterback quarterback Kendall Hinton and, and the story quick uh, real quick behind that was the kid was uh, on the roster as a wide receiver because he wasn't good enough to be a quarterback he played quarterback in the ACC but he wasn't good at it so he made the uh, the practice the practice squad as a receiver and because all four of the Broncos quarterbacks were ruled ineligible because one guy came down with the goop and the other three were all in the same room with him so they were uh, inactive as close contacts uh yeah, as you said, uh, they could have moved this game. They could have given them more time to get a, a, a another quarterback. Or uh, they, they, there's a whole range of things that the NFL could have done to allow this game to be played in a different circumstance, and they just decided not to. And there's some some BS uh, mumble jumbo lingo that there's certain circumstances that where they felt that players were in danger of possibly getting infected if they played a, the game at a certain time and that's why they would move a game uh, so this situation didn't meet that criteria because all four of those quarterbacks had been banished to wherever and put in isolation and quarantine so therefore they didn't feel like the rest of the team was not they didn't think the rest of the team was in danger of catching the uh, coronavirus and that's why they allow that game to be played and I'm called bullshit on that because if this happens to the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes they don't let this game get played no matter who's in possible contact or who's in danger of getting uh, the coronavirus. They do not let the Chiefs go uh, and take the field with uh, a wide receiver at quarterback who's not a quarterback. They, they, they just don't let that happen. I'm sorry. They, they don't do that. Um, and oh, He added two carries for seven yards, by the way. I want to be fair to Kendall Hinton in the uh, – if 2020 was a box score – because not everyone in the country died, and some people are pointing out the low percentage of people that died, and therefore maybe coronavirus wasn't that bad. It's only 300,000 people. Uh, so you got to add the positive there. Two carries for seven yards along with the one of nine for 13 yards and two INTs. you got to be fair. Got to, got to, got to absolutely call it down the middle. Um, and we also pointed out how shameful it was that the, the game was played with that guy at quarterback with actual quarterbacks such as, I don't know, Colin Kaepernick, actually out there on the street that would like to get in and play. And even in this situation, they still wouldn't give him a call and bring him in. And you said uh, Kaepernick's got a new video to play in court for uh, for his collusion suit against the NFL. Yeah. Like, this guy, they let this guy play, not me. They, they let that happen, that abomination to the NFL, they allowed that to happen without calling me. How much How much more proof do you need that I was blackballed? It's right there on film. Worst game of the year. One of the worst of all time. Yeah, that, that There might be some Hall of Infamy action from this one. Somewhere it's down the very, very infamous game, yes. Um, last award for me, and I'll turn the floor over to you. It's uh, the Grammy. <laughs> 
for, for acting. Antonio Brown's Grammy Award for acting. It makes us laugh every year. Every, every time I say it, it makes us laugh. Uh, I might have to actually get that into the Hall of Infamy at some point. <laughs> but it's, you know, it, we'll remember it here forever because our, our award for the worst acting, and we've had some good ones. Uh, we, you know, we had the guy who faked the, the kicker who faked the leg injury uh, the one year. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, this is going to be my fourth and final nod to the Los Angeles Clipper Chargers. Um, I can't believe how prominent they were on the show this year, but <laughs> this one's deserved what, what I'm going to give this award for Chargers, former head coach, Anthony Lynn for pretending the Tyrod Taylor was ever going to get <laughs> another start <laughs> for that team. Um, after Justin Herbert came out and, and did what he did. Don't know why I was so chargers heavy on this one, but when I thought of bad acting, that jumped out to me. Like they, they strung that along for several weeks while while Tyrod Taylor was recovering from the the medical malfeasance punctured lung. Like you know, he's he, still our guy. He kept crapping all over Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert would play a damn near perfect game, but he oh he had that one bad play. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he would just crap all over him in the post in the comedy. He even he even shit on the poor kid after that Kansas City game when he started like cold and almost beat the Chiefs. Oh, no, no, yeah. Tyrod's our guy. Oh, man, yeah. It, <laughs> that was some acting. That was bad acting, but I'm giving him the Grammy for Anthony Lynn, former head coach uh, Anthony Lynn, gets the Grammy for, for pretending that Tyrod Taylor was ever going to sniff a starting job again for that team. That was good. I liked that one because that was hilarious that he would keep oh, insisting. No, Ty, Tyrod's our guy. I, I know this kid's playing okay, but, you know, there's that one play in the third quarter with 12 minutes to go where he uh, pulled the bootleg right, and instead he took a step towards the left, and then he – no, that's, we, don't want, we don't need that on our team. That's not Charger football. So, yeah, Tyrod's still our guy. He's like, come on, man. Yeah, yeah and, and I know we didn't, we, we didn't call it out as strongly as we should have on the show, but I'm glad we didn't because I got to throw that one in there when it mattered the most. I had forgotten about it. I had completely forgotten. And, and yeah, that absolutely was an acting job to for, for sure. There's no way that he was going back to Tyrod Taylor. Only, only slightly beating out Doug Peterson's performance, saying that he thought Nate oh. Sudfeld gave the Eagles the best chance to win after that Week 17 debacle <laughs> against uh, against Washington. And what do those coaches have in common? Uh, they're both fired. Very good. Thank you. No longer yes, with us. Yes, very close. Very close second uh, place there for Doug Peterson uh, for that acting job as well. Truly. I, I only gave it to Anthony Lynn because he sustained it. That had that had bad acting sustainability. It was like he Eric is. Roberts' level of sustainability. <laughs> It was a bad Carol Burnett bit. It, it, it just kept going. It just had no end to it. <laughs> oh, <sighs> so that's it. That's all I got. That's the list this year for my honors and dishonors. Very good. Very. Uh, very uh, it was a lot of variety, even though the Chargers seemed to pop up all over the place. There was still a lot of variety in there. Yeah, I'll try not to make it so Charger-centric next year. <laughs> Hey, they, just, they deserved it. That, that was a 
that was a newsworthy team, despite uh, their their low their lowly standing in the league. They they made a lot of they made yeah. a lot of interesting news there. So I, I know you're, you'll get into the, the the pithy awards now. Yeah, I try to be creative. I try to you know. Uh, I know you, like you I, have some of your old standbys. You you do have some 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 consistency in yours too. So yes. Um, we we talked about my uh, shit and uh, and drizzling shits. I definitely had to agree with you on Carson Wentz. That was the most obvious. Um, and I'm still a little shocked that we came up with Stephon Diggs in some form and gave him his shine as as one of the most impactful players in the league this year. And and he definitely deserved that. Uh, I have Coach of the Year honors that I give every year. And I like to split them up into Super Bowl and non-Super Bowl winning categories just to kind of get some more coverage uh, for different guys. Uh, so my coach of the year amongst the Super Bowl winning coaches. And one of them uh, got himself fired. So he's, he's a, kind of an obvious candidate for worst coach out of the Super Bowl division. But we'll definitely <laughs> get to that in a second. But out of the Super Bowl winning coaches... Uh, my coach of the year out of the Super Bowl winners is going to go to Sean Payton of the Saints. And the reason that I'm giving it to him is because I pointed out how incredible what the Saints were doing on the field, despite all the situations, injuries, and uh, players missing. When you talk about the talent, uh, and Drew Brees, obviously his arm fell apart at the end, but still the franchise. All of it fell apart, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, he had ribs and arm and uh, everything else about him. Uh, but still, obviously, the starting quarterback, the franchise quarterback, and he uh, goes down with the with the ribs and misses four games. Uh, Michael Thomas goes down, the best receiver, and, and misses nine games. Uh, you got a lot of moving parts in there. And even with all of that, Sean Payton managed to lead the team to a 12-4 and record, a division championship. Uh, a plus 145 percentage on uh, not percentage, but plus 145 point uh, plus minus differential on the season Uh, 4.6 yards per carry as a team and 7.6 yards per attempt. And think about how amazing that is. Alvin Kamara was there, but not used nearly as much at running back because they had so many uh, injuries at receiver that he was being slotted in as, as a receiver. A lot of the time, he wasn't really running the ball, all that much this year. And even with that, they'd still manage to average uh, over four and a half yards per carry. And the seven and uh, and a half yards per pass attempt is really incredible with, with Drew Brees when he was playing, obviously wasn't throwing the ball very far downfield. Everyone made fun of that all year, the, you know, two yards downfield and let everybody else take over from there. And in the games that uh, he was out, you got Taysom Tebow at quarterback. And even with that, uh, they still managed to put up those numbers. Three wins with Taysom Hill at quarterback uh, is unbelievable. The, the the fact that they were able to pull that oh, off. So that's my – one of those was the Denver game. The other two were the Falcons. So you got some mitigating circumstance there. But nonetheless, <laughs> okay. the fact so remains that... <laughs> that Sean Payton won three games with Taysom Hill as his fucking quarterback. No, you know, that's a deserving award. Um, they they definitely faced their challenges. Um, you know they they ran out of gas at the end, but to even be in the position that they were in, where they were basically vying for that number one seed right up until the very end, with everything that they went through, I think that Sean Payton he, he's all right. He's a decent coach. 
it's not bad. <laughs> now just make the right decision next year and go with Jameis as your quarterback and not Taysom Hill. Please, just just do the right thing now. Uh, my coach of the year in the non-Super Bowl winner category, we have so many coaches that we look around and talk about how their teams try hard and play hard for them. So we have a lot of candidates amongst the non-Super Bowl winners, and it'll be interesting to see if any of these coaches jump up uh, and take that next step and become a, a Super Bowl champ and, and put their, their name on that trophy and, and hopefully do a lot better with it than the, uh, the Philadelphia coach. And again, we'll get to him in a second. But my coach of the year amongst the non-Super Bowl winners, I'm going with Chico. What a job in Washington by Ron Rivera. Uh, that Those guys, uh, from the moment he got there, the, they talk about the culture change when certain coaches come in. There certainly seemed to be a, a culture change in Washington when, when Ron Rivera stepped in. Uh, and, of course, it starts right with his decisions very early in the season to say, you know what, this this Dwayne Haskins guy, he, he ain't it. He's not my guy at quarterback, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him down. Now, you can argue if that was fair or not to Dwayne Haskins, and maybe uh, he develops eventually if you keep giving him those reps and, and becomes uh, decent over time. But Rivera decided he didn't have time to, to waste and said, no, I'm not going with him. I'm, I'm going to go with anybody but him. He, he has to cycle through several quarterbacks, uh, including Alex Smith and that incredible story of his comeback for this season. Uh, but don't forget, Rivera is also doing all of this while having 35 chemo treatments while still coaching, did not take time off, uh, stayed hung in there, made his appointments, got his chemo done, beat cancer, uh, and all also, oh, by the way, uh, led the football team all the way to the division championship, as much as I want to slam and talk about that terrible division, and also as much as you can dispute the fact that they won the title in, in that horrible Sunday night game. Uh, nonetheless, Ron Rivera did lead the Washington football team to a division title. Uh, nobody was picking them to contend, uh, but he, he did it. He brought it through. He had the defense uh, making plays for him, and he, they did just enough on offense to win, and he did it again while battling cancer, which is pretty damn badass. So congrats to, to Ron Rivera on that incredible coaching job. Yeah, and I'm glad we got that team into the show because that's one of the teams that I felt bad that none of my, none of my awards really meshed with them, but I did. I am glad that you got a little shine on, on what Washington and, 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 and Ron Rivera was able to do with that team, especially to, on the defensive side of the ball uh, in the second half of the season. Um, yeah. That, that, that wasn't all that wasn't, you know, we had no you know preseason this year. So, you know, a lot of teams, it took them some time to sort of round into shape. But in that second half, that run that they went on in the last half of the season, you started to see, you know, with Chase Young, and you started to see, like, oh, okay, I, I got – I see what you guys are up to now. They can just get that quarterback position, you know, rounded out. Now, I don't know if it's going to be Taylor Heineke. Um, who, that was one hell of a gutty performance that he had in that game. Uh hanging in there and, and, and take a Tampa to the brink. But uh, yeah, I'm glad you got them, you know, a little bit of shine here on the show. And uh, yeah, I, Ron Rivera, even with all that adversity too, that, that's almost like a, a two headed award there for doing that. And also dealing with what he was dealing with. I mean, and that's, a, that's in a division with Mr. Adversity himself with Daniel Jones. <laughs> so no, that's a very deserving award. Ron Rivera's always 
and he's been a good coach everywhere. Yeah, yeah, he's been quality, uh, no doubt. I hope uh, I Danny, if I didn't give that helmet in the ear hole for my worst play of the year, Danny Dimes was getting it for that 80-yard <laughs> scramble. Where he phantom tripped over the 20-yard line. It was so, a hell of a play right until the end. <laughs> it was a hell of a play call. It was well executed, and it was a gimme touchdown. It, uh, until until it the sniper got him. They should. Somebody needs to cut that with 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 a sniper shot. Well, I'm I'm sure I'm, I'm sure someone's photoshopped that in uh, many times already. But yeah, Danny Dimes never struggled with the uh, with the adversity that uh, Ron Rivera did, and and thank goodness nobody would want to struggle through that. All right, obvious worst coach of the year amongst the Super Bowl winners. It's kind of obvious when you get your ass fired, and and Doug Peterson <laughs> of the Eagles. Uh, yeah. Got fired. Look, you, you got to bench Carson Wentz eventually, man. Yeah. Luke Peterson had to be extra level awful to take that away from Mike McCarthy. <laughs> that was Mike McCarthy's in the bag, and Doug Peterson was like, "Nah, I got it." Nah. nah, wait, wait, watch this. I'm gonna watch my quarterback. <laughs> I'm gonna watch my quarterback play like garbage, hot garbage. All year long, and I'm going to refuse to bench him until it's way yeah. too late, and and we don't uh, our season is basically shot. Uh, the kid who gave hope, I'm going to bench him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But we're no, trying to win, there. really. We are. Oh. Yeah, you you, you got to sit Carson Wentz a lot sooner. Than, it's just it's the matter of seeing how terrible Wentz was over and over again. And just continuing to run, it's running your head into the brick wall, and and thinking yeah. eventually it's, you're going to break through. No, he's he's not getting better. You, you got to sit him. I know it hurts, but you, you got to do it. And he just he, he didn't do it until it was way too late. So, Doug Peterson, worst coach of the year this year amongst the Super Bowl winning coaches, and now he's looking for work. Well deserved. And the worst coach of the year amongst the non Super Bowl winners, of course, obviously a lot of choices there, but. We talked about him uh, in your awards. Brian Flores decided ah. that he needed to ah. look at his team, start off uh, at three and three, and and you're blessed to start three and three with that with that roster. Okay, you got a quarterback who's named Turnover Bernie Sanders because he likes to give the ball to the other team. You, you got a, a bunch of try hard guys who you know you're short on talent, but you're long on effort. You, you surprised everybody uh, with the with the, the team's effort last year, so good on you. Obviously, they played for you. Obviously, there's some respect there. And you get off to a 3-3 three and three start, and you decide in the bye week that now is the time to go to this rookie who's coming off the Bo Jackson hip injury thing, and uh, you have no idea if he can play at this level, but you're going to find out. And all your veterans in that locker room, we, we talked about it when it happened, had to be looking at you like, what? What the fuck are you doing, man? What? The, why are you benching Fitzpatrick now? He's been good. What are you doing? And of course, Fitz, uh, Fitz Magic sits down, and Tua comes in and does not look like he's setting the world on fire at all. And then you compound the problem by deciding that you want to be Dusty Baker and you want to pretend like you're managing uh, shooter Rod Beck, and you want to make a closer out of Fitz Magic. So now. If, if Tua doesn't show you enough in the first three quarters of a game, you're going to take, stick out your arm and go to the pin and bring in and bring in Fitzpatrick as a relief pitcher. And 
what do you think that's doing to Tua's confidence uh, when you do that to him? Like, how in the world do you think this is helping anything at all? So uh, you, you, you talked about, you always pointed it out uh, when he was doing this stuff, that this is clearly a defensive coach that doesn't really know how to treat his offensive guy. Like, he clearly doesn't have uh, the experience that head coach to know how to, to handle and treat the guys on the other side of the ball. So for not figuring that out quite yet, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to give Brian Flores my, my worst coach of the year in the not yeah. Super Bowl division. Once you make the move, own it. Stick with it. Own it. You shouldn't have made the move, but you made the move. Write it, write, write it out. And and yeah, that that jerk in the chain, and he's in, he's out, he's starting, now he's pulled. Uh, then we're going back to Fitzpat. Uh, then Fitzpatrick gets the goop. Now you got to go. Now you have to go with Tua in the game that gets you into the playoffs, and you got that. You deserved it. So right. that, is sure. a, that is a great choice. Um, although we both like Brian Flores, we think he's a good coach. Yeah, but <laughs> these moves, oh, no. they were egregious. Why, if they bring, they cannot get a veteran in behind Tua. If Tua is your guy, mm, you boy. need somebody behind him who is dead in the water. <laughs> you, you need Nathan Peterman, or you, you need ah. somebody behind Tua that that's just awful, like a sixth round draft pick. That's what you need behind Tua. You need no, you know, temptation to pull him out of the game. You got to sink or swim with this kid, and, and they refuse to do it. And it, it, ugh. And we got them twice this year, and they <laughs> totally deserved. I mean, I gave it to Tua, you gave it to the coach. It's a match made in heaven. Yeah, if you bring in uh, Peterman and you feel the need to go to him as your closer, now you're just trying to bring in the next Mel Rojas. You're not even bringing in a good closer, you're just bringing in oh. whatever bum you can find, you know, Antonio Alfonseca or something. God. All right. Uh, Onto the Kerry Krieger Memorial Heartbreak Award, which I name every year after the woman who broke my heart up in there in Wisconsin many, many years ago. It's amazing how many years ago that was, but she deserves an award for, for breaking my heart because of the things that she did. And this team, this award goes to the team that always, that, that breaks my heart. And this team really broke my heart this year. And it's got to be uh, the New Orleans Saints. And it's not going to be, uh, my award does not go to the team every year that I pick to win the Super Bowl and, and the team failed to make the Super Bowl. That's not going to be every year. But this year happens to be the pick because of how sad and pathetic the Saints looked as they crumbled down. And, and they got that 12-4 and record. They got in, into the playoffs. They got all their pieces back. They they barely beat the Chicago Bears an eight and eight team in the first round, and then in the second round they just completely crumble in the in, in the second half and can't get out of their own way and and lose to the uh, uh, to the to the Buccaneers. Uh, J- Drew Brees just looks so pitiful. Like that's how you're going to go out. It, it was really sad to watch him go down that way, and it was really sad because of how again the coach of the year, my coach of the year, Sean Payton, meticulously built team game by game what's the best way we can win how are we going to do this uh, builds them to a 12 and 4 record and gets his pieces back and has a full squad to make this last playoff run for Drew Brees and then that's the effort that happens in the in the second half against Tampa Bay where Brees just turns into a turnover machine and, and his body just completely breaks down on him it was it was really sad it was really hard for me to watch because I was rooting for the Saints I was rooting for Brees and Peyton and they 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 just broke my heart I, I thought they had the magic formula to put it together and, and it just didn't work out. So 
Saints broke my heart this year, so they win the uh, the Heartbreaker Award. Yeah, you really like that riding off into the sunset uh, with Drew Brees. You you had that, and they they got that. They they had the lead in the third quarter. They sure did. They came out in the third quarter and took the lead, and I thought, hey, we're, they're going to put it together. They they're going to go all the way. Three turnovers in your old end aren't going to help you win that game. That's that's exactly how you lose a game is is doing that. So, unfortunately, they uh, they broke my heart this year. The uh, the Heckle and Jide Award is another award that we talked about all year that was pretty much sewn up in the bag, and nothing happened to persuade me uh, from giving it to uh, Los Angeles Rams quarterback Jared Goff. I, I'm sorry, I'm getting oh, former Detroit Lions quarterback now. Getting getting word in my headset about uh, I guess a big trade has been made. Okay, uh, let me scratch this. All right, former Los Angeles Rams quarterback Jared Goff uh, wins my Heckle and Jide Award, which I give to uh, the player or the team that you just have no idea from one week to the next what the fuck is coming. You you just don't know. And I'm not going to go through all of Goff's stats this year, but I came across this uh, anomaly looking through his his season, looking through his game logs, that I'd never seen anything like this, and, and it cemented why he should get the Heckle and Jide Award. Not one, not two, not Three, but four different times in 2020, Jared Goff had a game in which he threw for over 300 yards, and then the next game went for 200 yards or less. I've never seen anything like that wow. before. Like three times he went from over 300 to a buck something, like a buck 50 some or other. And one time he went from over 300 to 200 uh, on the money. So four different times from plus 300 to 200 or less. Uh, that is the perfect encapsulation for Jerry Goff to be the Heckle and Jive Award winner of the year. Uh, he's all yours, Detroit. Good luck. Yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. That that, that didn't end well. Um, you know, apparently Sean McVay had enough. I mean, he was yeah. he was willing to start Walford in that playoff game. He was until he got concussed. He chose John Wolford on purpose yeah. yes. over Jared Goff. That's how that true he was with Jared Goff. It should have been the moment that Jared Goff knew it's over. That's when you start selling your house if you're Jared Goff, yes. Uh, name of the year. I always, uh, I'm on the lookout yeah. for guys that come in the league and have some, some unique name. I'm, I'm a sucker for uh, names of the year, unique and, and unusual. And this year, name of the year is going to New Orleans Saints second-year wide receiver, Lil Jordan Humphrey. That's his full first name is Lil Jordan. Not Little, but Lil, like he's a rapper. Lil Jordan Humphrey, L-I-L apostrophe J-O-R-D-A-N. Lil Jordan. Somebody decided to name their child Lil Jordan. And the the Ah. capper on it, what, what makes it so perfect is I had to to Wikipedia and look up to see if his father was indeed Big Jordan, and they just named him. Oh, that that's Little Jordan. That, you know, Big Jordan sitting over there, and Little Jordan sitting over there. We just call him Little Jordan. What makes it so perfect is that Little Jordan Humphrey's father is named Keith Wade. That makes sense, actually. You know, and and I'm sure there's a story behind yeah. it, why he's little Jordan and, and the fact that it's not after his father keeps away. I don't care. I didn't look up to see what it's the story was. 
Martin, or is it like Lil with an apostrophe? Lil with an apostrophe. Lil Jordan, capital L I L apostrophe, capital J O R D I N. After naming his kid Lil Jordan, probably thinking that this kid was going to go to the NBA or something. Hey, that's that is- Maybe that's the story. I, again, I didn't look it up because it was just so perfect that I looked up what his father's name was, and it wasn't anything <laughs> near Jordan. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That, that's so, just awesome. I have a funny story, and I haven't told this one all year because I have a name of the year. Um, oh, okay. Beginning of football season sort of overlaps with the end of baseball season, right? And we know that's like the baseball playoffs and that last bit of the season and then football. So the TV at my job is a bit hidden from my desk sometimes, so I can't always see it, but I can, I can usually have it up where I can hear it. So there's days where there's baseball playoffs on, there's days where there's football on. And I kept getting confused about was I watching baseball or was I watching football every time I heard the name Sean Murphy Bunting? <laughs> you, because I've heard that name and never never thought of that. I never it never crossed my mind. Catcher, his name is Sean Murphy. <laughs> so I keep hearing this and thinking, oh, is it the Oakland playoff game? Is there is it the A's on? And because sometimes it would be Joe Buck, you know, and I'd be like, oh, well, and I'd look up over and I'm like, but there's football on. And I'd go back to do it. And I never figured it out until I actually realized that the kid's name is Sean Murphy Bunting. <laughs> so that's my story for name of the year. That's hilarious. Because that, that can only happen in that situation where you're you're not paying attention. You're you're, right. you're not looking at the screen or whatever. And you're Sean Murphy Bunting. Sean Murphy Bunting. And you're like, oh, ooh, something going on. <laughs> You look over like, no, it's just football. What? Oh, man. Okay. All right. And I go back to work. That is low-key one of the funniest things I've heard uh, in, in recent memory. That is funny. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, that happened to me quite a bit during that football-baseball overlap period. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. All right. So now we move on to my, my more pithier uh, uh, sort of creative Awards and hopefully I don't uh, bore anybody or make anybody go. Oh God, this guy is terrible. So I think these are entertaining and, and if anything, it'll be some flashbacks to events that happened this season that you may not have remembered. But that's the point of the show. We remember the things that the NFL might not want you to. Like the lost lottery ticket award, which goes to Detroit Lions running back DeAndre Swift, who oh. had a wide open. Touchdown catch for the Lions versus the Chicago Bears in week one and just dropped it. Just straight dropped it in the end zone. And that reminds me of the. Never. Turn that thing upfield in the end zone. Like you're there. You're you're already home. What are you doing? Uh, It just reminded me of the uh, the last couple of weeks. We had some some lotto fever breakout in the country again. We had one person win for seven hundred million, and another person win for a billion or something. Can you imagine being that person losing the lottery ticket, and you 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 everything is set for life, but you just can't find it. You misplaced it. You fumbled it somewhere, and you don't know where it is. And that year expires and you, you haven't cashed it in and your family is just like, really? You, you, it was right there in your hands. You just dropped real. That's what DeAndre Swift had to feel like. Cause that ball was right in his hands. And I would have won the game for them. So 
Yes. Can't be much of a lower feeling than that for, for that kid. The Akib Talib Bare Knuckle Boxing Champ Award goes to Chicago Bears wide receiver Javon Wims, who uh, apparently in response to uh, Saints defensive back Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, is another hyphenated name for you, uh, who apparently took uh, Wims' mouthpiece out and spit on him um, at some point during their Week 8 game, uh, Wims decided to go up to him and give him a two-piece to the helmet after uh, uh, mimicking a, a chain snatching, which is the Akib Talib move. Remember when he used to own uh, that the, the wide receiver, uh, Michael Crabtree, used to keep uh, running up on him and snatching his chain off and punching him in the face. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if uh, if Akib Talib thought that that would be his legacy in football, that people would run up and, and fake snatch chains off of people on the field and then give him a two-piece to the head. Uh, but when you think about Akeem Tlaib, that's probably actually the perfect way to uh, uh, to, to, to memorialize his career is to be fake running up people and, and snatching their chains. So uh, at least uh, at least Akeem Tlaib has a legacy out there. But yeah, Javon Wims decided he wanted to play tough guy and and put somebody in the helmet. And that's uh, dude, he's wearing a helmet. That's uh, so. Not only are you tossed out of the game, but you're stupid because you're punching a guy who's wearing a, a helmet. But hey, at, at least you got your manhood back. Off and then hitting him over the head with it is so last year. Well, anyone can do that, but it takes a real man to walk up and, sna- and fake snatch your chain and then punch you in the helmet twice. I guess. Uh, On to the, uh, the the this is why you rent not buy award, and we we uh, talked a little bit about that with Jared Goff, but uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the uh, Dolphins quarterback. So again, you're you're going to be three and three. You're blowing out the New York Jets in week six. And Fitzpatrick gets pulled for Tua Tagovailoa, who had not played at all at that point of the season. So Fitzpatrick is going to get up on the bench and, and yell and cheer for him and get the whatever, you know, 200 fans or whatever was in the stands in Miami and to get them to cheer because, hey, we're, we're taking me out. We're blowing out the Jets. You know, we're, we're bringing in the kid. going to let him get a little action. Yeah, all right. Let's, let's cheer for the guy. Yeah, it's a feel-good story. And then he finds out during the bye week that Brian Flores has decided, you know what, that, that little situation where Tua came in and, and replaced you, yeah, that's permanent. Yeah, we're we're going to make him the starter now. You're, you're going to go sit down. And, and Fitzpatrick justifiably is like, really? Really? This is what you're going to do? Uh, he was he was not happy at all. And, and it's the NFL. That's why you, you rent and not buy because you just never know from one week to the next, if your coach is going to decide that, you know what? Yeah, we're going to replace you. You're, you're, you're three and three. And we think we, I, I, that's what I want to know. What does Brian Flores think that they were, they should have been better than three and three. They're the dolphins. Like what, what did you think they were supposed to be? So very confusing all around there for, for Miami. And they got a couple of awards of memorializing, I guess, this, this crazy season that they had. The This Is Why I Don't Gamble Award goes to the pair of twin bad beats from Week 10. I mean, these were all-time twin bad beats, uh, one that you already talked about. But but the Houston-Cleveland game, if you remember this bad beat, I'm sure you do. In extreme weather conditions, the Browns are favored by four points. And Nick Chubb in the fourth quarter breaks out for a clear, wide-open touchdown run. And the Browns are up three. So hit that end zone and get that cover after all of the slosh, sloshing through the rain and wind and all the bad conditions that they had. 
and Chubb chooses to run out of bounds at the one-yard line so that Cleveland can kneel out the clock and win the game by three. And the problem with that that I had was the Houston Texans that at that point in those conditions had scored seven points. Yes. If you score a touchdown, do you really think the Texans are turning around and, and, and somehow getting two touchdowns to come back and win that game with under two minutes to go at that point in the game? Like, that's wow. just illogical. But yes, no, I lost. I that was my eat bad beat. I ate that one. That was my lock of the week. Hmm. So though well, I know that, in that same week, I know I ate this one. The uh, the, yeah. the Buffalo Arizona pick. Hail Murray. Uh, the the Hail Murray game. The cards are two and a half point favorites, and Kyler Murray makes a, a magical play happen. Uh, the Hail Murray to to New Hopkins, the miracle. With four seconds left in the game, puts Arizona up two, and for some godforsaken reason, the Cardinals choose to take a knee on the yeah. point after. Like, what the fuck was that? Why would you take a knee? There's so many things that can happen when you're up two instead of up three. We we talked about it. You can... Uh, have a crazy uh, long kick return to put them in in field goal yep. range, and you can have a penalty on the play that makes it an untimed down. Now they can kick a field goal and, and, and tie the game, send it to overtime. Uh, there, there's just so many ways they can get in field goal position where if you just kick the field goal, all they can do is tie with a field goal. They can't beat you. Uh, but they didn't pick. They didn't. They didn't kick the PAT. They did, they chose to be up two on that last kickoff instead of being up three, and, and I just do not understand why they did that. Yeah, this was a, a year for a lot of strange beats. They had a lot of them. But those two. Those two were bad. Those two were really bad. The uh, newest lawsuit plaintiff award goes to the Vegas quarterback Jonathan Abram in week two against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, He was running and pursuing a play, and he slid into the ESPN's mobile camera card, if you remember this, and uh, into the Booger Mobile, uh, although Booger isn't there anymore. And he he kind of of fucked himself up. This wasn't just a normal, uh, I I ran into something and and hurt myself. He chipped his collarbone, uh, causing, causing internal bleeding, and also sprained his AC joint. Uh, and I guess the, the concussions and the CTE suits wasn't bad enough for the NFL. Now we got to have guys running into equipment and, and making themselves bleed on the inside. We got to have more lawsuits. So now we got more action. I guess ESPN will share in, in that lawsuit. And honorable mention goes to yes, we're going to revisit it again. Tyrod Taylor and the whatever team doctor for the uh, LA Chargers. That decided yeah. to uh, give him an, an, a pain-killing injection before game before week two, and punctured his lung, and took him out of action, which allowed Justin Herbert to step in and make a uh, a, a rookie season for himself. Now that I'm sorry, that was a mafia hit. Like you're gonna give me a pain-killing injection, and you're gonna stick me in my lung, and you're supposed to be a trained doctor. 
That wasn't an accident. I'm sorry. That was uh, that was some Soprano shit. I think Justin Herbert might be investigated for that. I, I was about to say, I believe that the hit for that, uh, there was a note that actually came down from Dr. Justin Herbert, MD. <laughs> right on time for that one. Uh, the best uh, Trump tribute of the year, the last year of Donald Trump's presidency. And there was a team that actually made a tribute to to the legacy of Donald Trump. And that would be the Atlanta Falcons, their special teams in week two at Dallas. Uh, they watched the Cowboys onside kick just slowly spin and roll and spin and roll and spin. And it goes to all 10 yards that they need for Dallas to jump on it and recover. And indeed, the Cowboys jump on it and recover and go on to, to win that game. It's very much like Trump's reaction to the COVID. Just it, It's going to go away. It's going to disappear. Don't do anything. That's what the special teams are standing around the ball. That don't do it. Don't touch it. Don't do anything. I'm not going to make it. Oh. It's just going to go that away. Was, just, that, was one, that was in the running for worst play of the year. That, that was one of them. It was terrible. Yeah. Just don't do anything. Just oh, watch. Oh. Just keep watching oh. the ball. Like, John, like Dan Quinn didn't immediately get fired after that game. They, they let him hang on and blow a few more. Uh, they admit that the special teams players, they didn't know the rules. It's like, oh. You're in the oh. NFL. What do you mean you don't know? Oh, my God. Special teams coach Donovan McNabb on the spot there. <laughs> there can be ties in football? Really? Who knew? <sighs> uh, the like, fake – like didn't know what down it was, you know, in that Bears game. <laughs> like, I'm Tom Brady, bitch. Don't I get an extra down? It's fourth down, but I keep going because I'm Tom Brady, right? Uh, the fake woke award because I know we have different uh, political opinions sometimes on the show, but I think what we can agree on is we both hate fake woke people, people that are trying oh. to, to be hip and and show that they're with the people and and down with the with the. With the virtue signaling crowd. Yeah, just trying to let everyone know what they're they're all about, and they're not really about that. Well, that was definitely Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield, uh, who pledged in the offseason during the George Floyd protests and during all the, the riots and protests and, mar- and marches or whatever. He pledges to take a knee when football returns. He's going to be with his teammates. He's going to protest racism. He's going – to, to do that, this is mid-August that he was telling everybody, I'm going to be there for my teammates. I'm going to take a knee with the when the anthem starts, when the season begins. September 12th on Twitter, Baker Mayfield says, I, I, I don't want to disrespect the anthem. I'm, I'm not going to take a knee. I'm, I'm, I've decided to, to go in a different direction. Temperature. And uh, that was Baker. Somebody was watching Drew Brees backpedaling uh, activity and decided, uh, yeah, I like that. I, I like going in the other direction. Uh, yeah, that, that's a good idea. Extreme. Yeah, just complete fake woke, and, and nobody has, has time for anybody who's doing that fake shit. Um, I actually gave the If 2020 Was a Box Score uh, award already to Kendall Hinton because that was as 2020 as it gets. Uh, the One Moment in Time award goes to us. Because if you remember all the way back to the Thursday night opener, we nailed it about as good as anyone can nail it. The Kansas City Chiefs beat the Houston Texans 34-20 to as nine-point favorites. Uh, you nailed it because you made it your lock of the week, even though it was the, the season opener on Thursday night. You just ignored everything else in week one and said, yeah, that one. I got that as my lock. And you already jumped off to uh, to first lock of the year uh, already on Thursday night. So that was great out of you. 
Uh, I nailed it because I called the score of that game, uh, Kansas City 34 to 19, and it was 34 to 20. You can't get too much closer than that. I don't know if anyone, uh, either, any one of us have ever nailed a score completely on both sides, but that's about as close as you can get where I missed it by one point. So that was the uh, the moment that we can really uh, tout our geniusness and look back and say, hey, we we, we, we yeah, for both, the first night. Because we both independently had, you know, I, I mean, the only, the one that's a jump out, like if when I want to pat myself on the back, I will pat myself on the back for the uh, Washington win over Pittsburgh. That would be the honorable mention when Jay called oh, his he, shot. He did. Yeah. And pick the Washington football team to end Pittsburgh's uh, 11-0 perfect season. Um, and as I pointed out at the time, what made that uh, particularly uh, a good achievement is that you didn't do what I usually do with the last undefeated team, which is call for them to lose about three or four times and be wrong, and then finally get it right and say, see, I told you they were going to lose. Because uh, I, I had all my Pittsburgh because I would locked them up a bunch. Mm-hmm. But but you saw the the destruction coming, and you saw that they yeah. were not uh, that they were trending down, and you said, "Hey, I'm calling my shot. Washington's going to beat Pittsburgh straight up as seven point underdogs," and you nailed that one right on the head. So definitely uh, honorable mention for for that great call out of you. My other one was uh, my getting cute game that Thursday night game. Oh yeah, <laughs> Philly. I think that was Philly and the Giants, and it was like a they- two. It was a two-and-a-half-point two spread, and I said that uh, the Eagles would win but not cover, and they won by one. <laughs> yeah. That, that's right that's in the That's all I remember for my – those were my season highlights right there. You just hit them all. <laughs> uh, that, that was pretty impressive. Uh, the uh, Not My Tempo Award goes to uh, Green Bay coach Matt LaFleur. This just happened in the playoffs. Uh, but I was very impressed by by this, where the calls for switching of the running backs after one play, the first play of the game, Green Bay versus the uh, L.A. Rams in the divisional round, Aaron Jones has a hole to hit. He didn't hit it. He's immediately taken out of the game uh, for A.J. Dillon. And A.J. Dillon comes in, and he hits the hole that was supposed to be hit, and he actually makes a big run. And then Aaron Jones gets sent back in the game, and Aaron Jones gets the hole, and he hits it the way it's supposed to be. So he got the message immediately. Uh, like, don't mess around. This is not going to be where I try to figure out, uh, right? I, I, I'm not going to go with the hot hand. I'm going to go with you get one shot. If you don't do it right, you get, get your ass over and sit down. I'm going to go to the next guy. That, that's the not my tempo war. If you've seen the movie Whiplash, uh, for the guy, uh, the teacher, uh, great job by JK. Uh, I was calling JK Dobbins. Um, <laughs> Simmons? Yeah. Simmons? JK Dobbins. Not. <laughs> It's late. What can I say? Uh, but yes, uh, great job out of him to to play that role of the uh, the drum teacher. That like, hey, if you're not going to do it on my tempo. Go sit down, and we're, we're gonna we're not going to fool around. We're going to sit here all night until we figure out who's going to be on my tempo. So Matt before, who's going to be on my tempo? He found out immediately. So I, I, I like that that coaching effort out of him. Not uh, I know we'll talk about it when we do our next show because we can uh, recap the. Uh... Conference championships games before we do the Super Bowl, but uh, I don't know if you saw it too. But speaking of AJ Dillon, uh, boy, I really third quarter of that game, it really felt like they had something going with him, and then they just completely got away from him, and I didn't understand it. Yeah, we've seen that in the playoffs a couple times. I thought uh, the Titans were going to go to Derrick Henry in the fourth, like they had been, and ride him, and they just didn't do it. Uh, but that one, 
that one good drive that the Packers had after that first Tom Brady pick, they just hammered down the field with Dylan, and they were throwing yeah. it to him and running it with him. And it was like you could see that Tampa did not have an answer like this late in the game for the, for, for the big running back. And then that, that was it. It was like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, unfortunately, we, we've seen that. that you, you know, when it's the playoffs, you got to have some, some, some balls of stone, basically. And then, you know, they, they can't all be like that. You, you get some, some coaches that come up a little short when it, when it gets to that time, unfortunately. Uh, let's move on to the uh, God Will Give You What You Need When You Need It award, which I'm going to give to Titans running back Derrick Henry who in week 17 needed 223 yards rushing in order to rush for that elusive 2,000 yards that every running back wants, that 2K season. And luckily for Derrick Henry, he was playing the Houston Texans. He looked at that schedule and said, oh, look at God. This is what I'm talking about. Because against the Texans, the last two times that Henry had played in week nine of this season, he ran for 212. And in week 16 of last season, he ran for 211. So he knew that he could do what he needed to do against the Houston Texans. And he doesn't run for 223 yards. He runs for 250 uh, in a three-point victory and, and leads the uh, ten- Tennessee Titans to the division championship. Uh, that's a great achievement, that 2,000 yards. It's elusive. There's only eight running backs that have done it now. And interestingly, two of them are Tennessee Titans. So I got to give love to my, my Tennessee Titans down here. Uh, even though they're over in Nashville, but two different running backs. And, of course, you remember the first one? Is that Eddie George? No, no, it wasn't. He even had oh, a no, nickname no, for no, it. Dreadlocks. No, no. Yeah, he had a nickname, the, the CJ2K, Chris yeah. Johnson. Johnson. I couldn't think of the name. It was not Eddie George. It was, yeah, and then all of a sudden I closed my eyes. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm seeing the dreadlock. <laughs> well, he made an impression. You see dreadlocks flying down the field. Yeah, Chris Johnson, boy, he fell off a cliff. Yeah, but he got that he got that season. He did get it. Eddie he George, can't... though, way better running back. Well, yeah, true. Uh, but you can't have much different styles than, than Derrick Henry and Chris Johnson, but those are the two uh, in Tennessee. Uh, so it's a good on them. Uh, get, some, get the Titans a little love. The Sucking is Difficult Award goes to the 0-11 New York Jets, who in Week 13 were beating the, the Las Vegas Raiders 28-24. to They're trying to suck. They're trying to get that, that number one draft pick, but they're actually beating the Raiders because the Raiders are trying to suck harder than them. And L, uh, LV, the, the old LV Raiders, had the ball at the Jets' 46-yard line with under 20 seconds left, so the defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, had to break out his best effort to blow that game, and he calls a zero blitz, leaving Lamar Jackson, not that Lamar Jackson, uh, open, uh, covering Henry Ruggs one-on-one, and Derek Carr hits him for the win. No sweat. Double move, gets wide open. Raiders win the game. It's hard to suck, but you got to pull out efforts like that if you're going to continue to suck. So good on, on Greg Williams for doing that. Yeah, they had just tried it on the previous play. <laughs> so you like had to go back to it. Oh man, I swear that was Kevin King comforting that guy. <laughs> uh, the maybe football does teach you how to be a man. Award goes to Houston quarterback Deshaun Watson, who uh, watched his best wide receiver get dealt before the season began. He watched his coach get canned after the season started. He watched his wide receiver core get consistently banged up. 
you watch his defense consistently get shredded. So he was always in terrible positions as far as the game as far as the games go. He goes to a four and twelve record and he still puts together this season. Four thousand eight hundred twenty three yards as number one in the league. Seventy point two percent completion percentage. That's number three in the league. Eight point nine yards per attempt. You know that's my favorite stat. Number one in the league. Thirty three to seven touchdown to interception ratio and a 112.4 passer rating, number two in the league, only behind Aaron Rodgers. Deshaun Watson was a man this year. You know, they talk about, you know, oh, the game will teach you how to fight through adversity. Who the fuck had more adversity than Deshaun Watson on that pathetic-ass Houston, Texas team? And that's the season that he put together. And you know what? He's had enough. He's made his uh, trade demand, so he's going to be somewhere else as well uh, as this offseason of musical chairs goes along. But I definitely have to make a category for Deshaun Watson because he got off this year and in, yeah. in a really bad team, too. You talk about somebody that lost his best weapon and did that. Right. Nobody. I mean, Will Fuller gets hurt on every play. Yeah. Who's he throwing to? Kiki Kute? I, I mean, it is stunning what he did, and they lost all the time. And <laughs> they kept losing. <laughs> Found ways they to kept losing crazy. games. They had that game where they against the Colts where they get down to like the eighteen yard line, and then they snapped the, they rolled the ball to them. Oh. You know, then they had the other game where it's like you get to the like the two yard line, the, the and then two. they oh man. They they found ways. They were yeah. they're almost charger like in the way they found ways to lose. Nobody was paying any attention because their record was so terrible. Yeah, um, and I I ran out of time on the live show unfortunately, but we're in the after shows. So one more category, and then we can get out of here. The chef's kiss, Mwah. perfect way to end the 2020 regular season. Those Philadelphia Eagles and their coach Doug Peter. Wait, I'm I'm getting I'm getting a yeah. hang on. Philadelphia Eagles ex-coach Doug Peterson uh, pretends to be trying to win in Week 17 when he sends quarterback Nate Sudfeld in for Jalen Hurts, uh, allowing an even easier path for the Washington Potato Skins to win the NFC East in primetime. Just a perfect way to end the season. This is the highlight game. This is the spotlight game that the NFL chose for uh for, to, to end the season in prime time for everybody to watch. Again, they, they were very limited on their choices as far as the machinations of trying to pick a game that actually had implications. This is the best they could come up with. Uh, but my God, for that to be the effort that, that gets put forth in front of everybody where you're the, the Eagles have already deactivated half their damn squad before this, before the game even began. And then third quarter, Jalen hurts trying to fight, trying to struggle, trying to keep up. And he looks over his shoulder, and there's Nate Sudfeld running on the field for him. And he's like, are, "Really? Are you are you kidding me?" Um, and that brought out all the uh, all the reactions that you could imagine. And brought out Daniel Sargent. She marched down to uh, to the sideline, and she was. Like, the game, they they brought out everybody. They they brought out uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, God, I got the drop here, but I can't remember what his name is. Uh, Fred. Hey, uh, what happened? Fred Willard. Fred Willard. Uh, yep. May he rest in peace. 
Uh, they brought out all the guys to like, what? Why would you do that? Like, what in the world makes you think that Nate Sudfeld was the right choice to go to uh, if you're trying to win the game? Like, they weren't trying to win the game. They were just trying to get out of there. And, and you know, in the year of, of COVID, you're just trying to go home and, and make sure everybody is healthy and everybody's in one piece. So I get that. And, and there's nothing yeah. on the line for the Eagles. But nonetheless, like you were saying, don't pretend after the game that you were trying to win the game because you clearly <laughs> were not trying to win the game. And I made the point, and I think you kind of agreed with me, that wasn't anything out of place if that's like the noon game in week seven. Right. Right. Nobody cares that, okay, everybody's got the thing, and we're going to throw the kid out there, and we're going to get some people some playing time, you know. Nobody cares. But because the division's on the line, and it's, you know, then you got New York involved. It's just all these things, and this is the the East. Right, and they're doing it right in front of that crew. They're doing it right in front of Michaels and Collinsworth, who are clutching their pearls as this is happening. (laughs) I Um, can imagine doing this if I were the coach. Oh, man. I think that sort of exacerbated the problem. Yeah, but it was was a shit move. It really was. There's no explanation for it. Just just cop to it. And, and yeah, no, that was the problem that I had. Like, that it was national primetime, everybody watching. It would, that's and, a, and that's and a perfect way to end the season. And like ass for, for most of that game. Missing, missed a wide-open guy in the end zone that could have tied that game up. Um, it was only a three-point game when they made that move. That gave you the lock title. So that, that's even, that, that even shows <laughs> how much that even bothered you. That you benefited from that, and it was bullshit. Absolutely, it was absolutely bullshit. Thank God you it. ended up season by more than one point, or that one point, because <laughs> that could have been it. Yes, it could have. That would have been, that, that been a shame. You always would have remembered that was the year that you won the lock because of Nate Sudfeld, your first oh. ever title. Of course, it was this year. Of course, it was twenty twenty. Of course. 2020 just as, as messed up as you could imagine. So that's it for our, our honors and dishonors. It's a good show. Yeah, we, we always have fun. We always uh, remind each other of some craziness that happened. We always have some laughs, and then hopefully we, we entertain the people. I think that's the best part of the show is when we hit that thing that the other person forgot. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, oh, yeah. You know, we're kind of slight, like, you know, kind of slapping ourselves on the forehead because it's like, how did I forget that, you know? Right. Or like you know, like I said, because mine are so rigid and I don't really move into new categories that you, you do find a way to give awards to things that deserve to have awards given to them that don't fall into my little bit more rigid structure. So I'm glad for that because you know, there were things that happened this year. This is sort of our season retrospective. Um let's also not even though it just happened, uh let, let's also give a, a a Grammy nomination to Kyler Murray. Uh, for being excited about being the Pro Bowl MVP. <laughs> I paid no attention to any of that, so I didn't uh, even realize. I on Twitter, and I was so annoyed. I didn't. I, I could. I couldn't even muster the snark to, to make <laughs> a comment about it because it was so stupid. Yeah, I was asleep. I. I didn't yes, I have any idea what happened. Pro Bowl and Pro Bowl, quote unquote, Pro Bowl. <laughs> Madden. 
Mm-hmm. He got a trophy. <laughs> Good for him. Honors and, and <laughs> honors and dishonors. Um, <laughs> you know, then people are commenting like it's the closest he'll ever come to an MVP award and all that fun. That's oh, fun. just saying. But you don't have yeah, to be mean about it. A real person, a trophy for something that their digital avatar did in a <laughs> that is next level. If you thought 2020 was over, <laughs> so I, we need to we need to find the real Eli Fortner. Oh my guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably just that. You know, that's some developer, that's some developer yeah. guy, some some nerdy game developer, you know, sitting there with pockets, pocket protector. Uh, well, I don't know. There, there's so many made up names and so many made up guys on, yeah. on, on those games. And it, it's so weird how they choose some of these names because the NBA names were uh, very unique and odd. Yes. Uh, but, but you can't say that they were like ripoffs of anything. Whereas we remember the MVP names; they all they did was take the first names of major leaguers and the last names of major leaguers and match them and mix them, mix and match them up. Yes. And that's and that's how you come up with Ichiro Reed. <laughs> you loved wasn't Ichiro Reed on your team? I thought he was on your team. He was on one of our teams. I thought Ichiro Reed was on your team. I don't ever remember having Ichiro Reed. Oh, but maybe he was on my team. I, Made up guy, but you know we would, you know. But that was the year that you know that was the year that I was bunking with you, and, and you know we, mm-hmm. we were sort of folk heroes about the of, of these made up guys. It was to the point where I was joking, uh, you know, that I needed the, the 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 number one Fortner jersey, and I'd be the only guy walking <laughs> with Fortner on it, and nobody would get it. Everyone would assume that's what that's who you are. That you just got a, a personalized jersey. Right. <laughs> Unless you came across the developer, Eli Fortner, and he noticed it, and he would have been like, hey. Hey. What, yeah. Wait a minute. That's, that's, that's me. That's my number. What? How? Who are you? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, that would probably it, be a mind fuck. Eli Fortner hitting those spot-up threes from the corner. I'll, I'll never forget that. Thank God he could do that because he couldn't do anything else. God, he was a terrible defender. <laughs> He's a completely made-up guy. Yep. <laughs> oh man! All right, that was a that was a good show. That was a good show. Yeah, I, I liked it. We we always we'll have fun. Saturday. We'll be back Saturday evening to to get ready for the big game for the Super Duper Bowl. I'm kind of glad it doesn't matter because ew, what a snoozer. It's it's a hard one. It's it's a, again that that three three and a half point line. It's just you don't Not know which from- way you want to go and betting standpoint, but you're already starting to see the news articles starting to set some low expectations for the performance on this game. Hmm. They're already talking about the low amount. Like they expect that the, the, the money coming in on the game is going to be down by 40%. They expect that the ratings aren't going to be good. So I, is this Brady fatigue? I don't know, but probably. Yeah. Probably, I don't, there's probably a lot of people like Brady's playing again. Oh God. Oh, bit of the we'll talk about it I'm sure it's a little bit of the backlash about you know Brady you know getting lucky to get there again like all the good things just seem to happen to Tom Brady (laughs) he's the greatest quarterback of all time who who actually doesn't make good things happen the good things just happen to him 
Yeah, uh, again, that, that game had a lot of reaction out of Wisconsin, uh, social media-wise. It's just in Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I didn't see too much. There was a little bit of uh, you know, just the fact of, like you were saying, that some of those plays that got called in the fourth quarter didn't necessarily get called in the other three quarters. Right, uh, that had that were impactful plays in the game. Like, the, the, like that could have mattered. Like, oh, you could have used that call on the interception. You could have used that call on – that that fourth down play, you know, I'm just saying. I understand, but it's it was a lot of uh, national. It was more a lot of you know inconsistent refereeing, and and what a shame that it put a bit of a, a smudge on the game. Whereas Wisconsin was more like, "Yay, cheated! They got robbed!" And, 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 I'm not that over the top, but it was a hard watch. It really was a hard watch. I, I get it. I, I guess I understand. <laughs> um, but yeah. Buccaneers and and uh, Chiefs uh, in the Buccaneers' home is the uh, again perfect 2020 2021 first home game ever for a Super Bowl team and it's in this scenario where they can't have the stadium full of, of Bucks fans. It's only going to be twenty twenty five thousand people there uh, total. So it would have been nice. I just been nice to see the the whole pirate ship filled up, I'll, but not going to happen. Invested in this, I can just say I hope the Chiefs just. <laughs> uh, there you go. That, that might be where we're leaning on our picks. So we'll we'll definitely get into all of that Saturday night, uh, nine p.m. God, thank God, I didn't have to pick the opposite side of this game. I did myself a favor because if you picked the Chiefs, I would have been left with the Bucks. And oh God, no. <laughs> it worked out okay. I, I'm not mad. Well, there you go. I didn't need to watch that game and root for Tommy to get lucky again. Don't have to root for Tommy. Absolutely not. Nobody in Wisconsin will be rooting for Tommy, apparently. I think most of the oh. country will root for Tommy. About to say, around the country probably is the same thing. Yeah, they're probably not rooting for him. I know Bill Belichick won't be rooting for him. Not watching. Possibly. I don't know about the, the rating being down, though. I don't know why that would necessarily be like like you said maybe just Tommy fatigue I don't know but I mean on the other side is Pat Mahomes and he's you know yeah. putting on a, a a clinic early in his career that that that's interesting to watch I would think but um, who knows I'd, I'd like I'd I'd be perfectly fine if Mahomes wins a few more and and, and eventually he can just be the goat I, I'm okay with Mahomes being the goat I am too he's already doing things that that nobody else can do on that field so I'm I'm all right with it absolutely. All right, so we're about finished? Yeah. Okay. Good. It was a fun show. So, absolutely. So Super Duper Bowl preview coming up Saturday night, 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern. Come back and join us for that one hour of hot and heavy Super Bowl talk and making our picks for the big game, and then maybe we'll get into some props and see if there's anything that's of interest there. Uh, but we'll have all the discussion concerning that. So come back and join us for that. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Thank you all for joining us. And we will be back again Saturday night, 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern, to get into the upcoming Super Bowl between the Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And we will be back and talk to you Saturday night. Talk to you then.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.